Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 108th edition of the Chronicles of Podcast. And these, these right here are the Chronicles of Tom Mayhew. It is I, the bearded brummy Jamie, and joining me as always, as always, this handsome fella right here. It's a Scotsman Tom, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast. Hit it! Hi there, you're about to enjoy the Chronicles of Tom and Jamie. Hi everyone, I'm Kevin Mann. Hi guys, my name's Annabelle Knight. Hello, this is Becky Baldwin. Hello, I'm Chesney. Hey, what's up everyone, this is Brayden from Say We Can Fly. Hello, I'm Tom Mayhew, a stand-up comedian and writer, and this is the Chronicles of Podcast with Tom and Jamie, and it's a really good episode. Oh, you're going to have a great time, especially if, if you like building. People don't jump around in fights at all. Then again, nobody Hadoukens in real life, do they? Oh. That's our PSA for you this week. Children, do not put your penises near beavers. This week, we are joined by Tom Mayhew. Stop eating avocados. <laughs> now, I'll be straight with you guys. I've never bought an avocado. Do they cost 500 grand? Tom is a critically acclaimed comedian who mixes the material about working class mixed with personal, the silly, and a little bit of the political. He's a stand-up comedian, a comedy performer, a writer, and an actor. His Edinburgh Fringe show, I, Tom May, he was critically acclaimed and led to a sold-out show at the Soho Theatre in January 2020, which then went on to be adapted into Radio 4 series. Absolute little minute capsule a, a little soupçon of this man's career it's absolutely phenomenal yeah this is a good conversation it, it's quite mental um you know with going to cement school wanting to be dizzy from bob the builder um <laughs> to to then uh to then uh trying to force me to be daniel bryan brian Danielson, whatever and so on and so forth so yeah this is a great interview. Um, just bear with. <laughs> like, we do get into Tom's career. We do get into Tom's life uh, a bit later now. But it's just all sorts of nuts. And it's fucking great. So, Aren't you know, they the best ones? They always are the best <laughs> ones. They always are the best ones. Um, that Just, yeah, it, it's wonderful. And Tom's done some amazing things. I just, it's just so shit how it's like, you've got a sold out so a host theatre show. Congratulations. Now the world shut down. Yeah. And yeah, crazy. But uh this is a great conversation. Tom, thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to sit and chat to us. We absolutely loved it. Um, it was wonderful. But Jamie. Yes, sir. Do you have any final words at all? Just a big old massive thank you to Mr. Mayhew for spending the time to come and chat with us. It means the absolute world, sir. Absolutely. We know that you're all gonna really enjoy and love this one. Trust us. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, interviewing this week, it's Tom Mayhew. Your back drops. I feel a bit underdressed now. <laughs> Mate, you're all good. You're all good. We do it. Um, it, it, it would just look a bit, I don't know. We know when you try and take something to the next level sort of things, so it's like, well, let's 
update it a little bit and make it look a bit more snazzy rather than just, you know, like a wall. If like, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm going to have to get one. Not the same, but I'm going to get one with just like make it like a TV studio or something. Oh, such a great idea. You should get the um, the I, Tom Mayhew poster. Yeah, I might or do then, that, actually. Or then Ken Loach might be like, uh, I think you've stolen my movie. Uh, <laughs> no, I've always, I've always been like, I don't think he would sue me because clearly I've not got any money. Like, <laughs> Which is, you know, but then, then it's Ken Loach who'd probably be like, that's incredible. I love the fact that you've done that. No, yeah, I, I, I think I did... Um, when I did, when I did the show in Edinburgh, I did check with them just to sort of make sure. I was like, I'm not basically some posh guy taking the piss, you know. I, I kind of explained what it was, and they they seemed all right with it. I think they'd have to be particularly like I don't think it'd be a good PR move for them to go. Oh yeah, we want to sue the guy on benefits. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unless they're obviously Tory wankers, they'd be like, uh, I'll go rinse you for everything you've got, mate. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was a little test I did. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. So, um, but obviously, you've obviously done podcasts before. You I mean, you have your own fucking one. But anyway, just a quick rundown. Um, we Jamie's gonna do like a really nice introduction and like lure you into some sort of like false sense of security where you're gonna feel quite safe and at home. And then what we're gonna do is absolutely pepper the fuck out of you with questions. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds like fun. Let's get a little introduction out of the way. Ladies and gentlemen, today we bring you another wonderful guest. Today's guest is a critically acclaimed comedian and podcaster. He's a comedian known for his material about being working class, something that's propelled him to heights like an outstanding Edinburgh Fringe show, a Soho theatre run, a BBC radio series and more. The only man I've ever seen turn himself into a banknote to promote a show. The man the Daily Mail described as a Tory-hating lefty. What an accolade. Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, put your hands together and join us as we welcome you to the Chronicles of Tom Mayhew. Pleasure. Hello? Do I, do I say hello at this point? Or... <laughs> you, can, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can say whatever you wish now, Tom. We're, we're it's so weird. You do, you do such a sort of um, big introduction. It's just me awkwardly going... You're right. Um, so... <laughs> it should be something like pyro or something like pyrotechnics, or a bit of confetti falls down or something, <laughs> or like some like entrance music, like it's WWE or something. That's oh. what we need. I, I'll wait for the day I do one of them intros, and then the guest just does one all about me in return. I'll be like, oh, I like this. This is good. <laughs> oh, um, uh, J- Jamie Westwood has nice glasses, and he's yes. got a nice, a nice beard. And his, his backdrop's really nice. And I've only met him for about two minutes, but he seems all right. <laughs> I take it. That's a win. <laughs> what um what WWE theme music would you have? Oh mate, that's a that's a question. That is a question. Does it have to be one that someone has already used, or Whatever. can it be just any song? Whatever you want. Um, I mean I'd be tempted for something ridiculous like Bob the Builder. <laughs> I get everyone chatting along. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and just doing it completely straight your face, completely like, yeah, it's Bob Builder, mate, whatever. Like, I don't reference it and just... <laughs> Nothing to be explained here. Just everyone just chants along and then we crack on with the, with the death. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you guys have? Oh. I mean, I'm a he- I've been... Daniel Bryan's been like my hero for for years and years. Um, so you've got, a, you've got you've got a look of Daniel Bryan about you. Oh, the Usos! When I, I met the Usos in 2015, Tom and I like Bray Wyatt. I was like, 
really? But there we are. No, I think, um, I think you've got you've got the beard. You've got the beard. I'd say. Yeah, I, I mean, it's because I mimic him. That's the, that's the only reason I grew it so long. Was like I, that's what I'm going for. Um, so I'd probably, but he's been using the final countdown AEW, so I'd probably go with that. Mm-hmm. Too much choice out there, isn't there? But it's me. I'm a huge Kiss fan. I'd probably just have Rock and Roll on my by Kiss because why not? It's going to represent me, so I'll do. I mean, thinking about it, I like the idea of there being a wrestler whose entrance music is just like their Spotify on shuffle. <laughs> So good, and you got that random embarrassing one, that guilty pleasure. We're going, oh yeah. shit! Uh, forward. Oh back. no, people know I listen to Westlife now. God, <laughs> coming down to the ring, boy. You're beautiful, boy. James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's just there, like, yep, yes, I know. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um. Let's go back a couple. How has the last few years been for you, Tom, with the pandemic and everything? Like, how have uh, how's everything been for you? Um, I mean, it it's it, it kind of feels like it's entirely changed uh, the industry in a way that I don't feel like many people either talk about or notice. Like, I do feel like it it still has hit numbers mm. in terms of audience numbers, in terms of people who are going out, in terms of people who are doing stuff because it did it changed all our um habits you know we all went from maybe being the person who went out every fortnight to see something to going oh i can stay indoors and i think a lot of people are still in that indoorsy mode and they might never come out of it i don't know like i know some people who they've not been to a music gig for about three years and i'm like well, are you ever going to go back to one because they're, they're just so used to not doing it now so it's made it a bit strange in terms of trying to organize live stuff and doing live shows uh, i still don't feel like like my, my one barometer for it really was the fact that in 2020 in january i did like a sold out run at soho theater for three nights and i've not managed to do anything like that since so in my head i feel like it's back where it should be when i'm back at that level but i there's part of me that still feels like i'm chasing that which is a bit a bit, it's a bit sad. Three years on, and a bit, a bit frustrating, really. Yeah, I don't. Th- from the sounds of it, though, I don't think it's because of you. I think it's because, like you say, everybody's like, I don't think I really want to go out anymore. I think I quite like it like this now. I've got used to this. So, mm. like, like nightclubs aren't really a thing anymore. Not that I know of, anyway. Do you know what I mean? Now that's no. that sort of industry kind of like died. Um, I think there's people that don't go to like with festivals and stuff. They just won't. So I, I think I think it's more the fact that people are a bit too still like it's still the thing. So I'm good. I'm actually actually quite like it. And now we all work from home. Mm-hmm. I think everyone's getting used to that as well. So like I mean I work from home and I don't, and it's like I don't really want, I don't need to really go anywhere unless I need some food. I'm good. Do you ever forget to leave the house for like weeks? <laughs> there's been times where it's like, have I actually? Breathe fresh air in the last week. <laughs> I don't think I have. <laughs> I forgot never, what it tastes like. Never for a crazy amount of time, but there, there have been times in the past couple of years where I have maybe gone like seven days and not gone anywhere. And you kind of go, oh shit. Oh God, I, f- I forgot I'm supposed to do that. Just because <laughs> you're so you're so used to going, no, I can just watch something on, on Netflix or on YouTube or just for a podcast that you just go, I'll do that. And then you go, oh no, I need to remember that human beings to exist should probably leave the house and you know maybe maybe what i need to start doing is playing some entrance music as i leave the house <laughs> yeah, yes <laughs> some exit music. yeah 
Just play it Brock Lesnar's theme song or something. That'll really get you fucking going, won't it? <laughs> Why is Tom so angry? <laughs> Why is he jumping from foot to foot a lot? That's weird. It's not like him at all. <laughs> I was going to say the neighbours like, oh, I can hear Bob the Builder again. Tom's going to shops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But speaking of Bob the Builder kind of lends beautifully to my next question in a very weird way. I always like to start this talking about childhood and what and what you aspired to be when you were growing up. So what was the original aspirations for yourself when you were growing up? What were the dreams of young Master Mayhew for a for a career? Uh, well, I used to watch Bob the Builder and uh, I really wanted to be dizzy. Um, <laughs> I, I, wanted, I didn't want to be a builder. I wanted to be a, a sentient uh, cement mixer, ideally. Uh, <laughs> imagine if I just fronted that out for the rest of the podcast. Just yeah, I wanted to be a sentient cement mixer, and it was a really tough first fifteen years, to be honest. Like, I could make myself dizzy, but I could just never make the cement and stuff. <laughs> I was trying. I tried to mix around in my mouth and stuff. It just wasn't working. Like. I love the idea of you spinning around really quickly and trying to smash it together. Like... <laughs> no, I haven't quite mastered it yet. <laughs> Come on, just three more years. We'll get there. We'll be able to do it. <laughs> Is there um... a college this sort of thing? <laughs> but, yeah. Level t- Sorry. No, go on, go on. <laughs> I was gonna say level two is like the next, the next like sort of ingredients that to make like I don't know thicker cement. I don't really know. I've never been to cement school before. So... Cement school. <laughs> I don't think anyone's been to cement school. I think that's the truth. There. We should start one. Fuck it. Oh. <laughs> Mate, I'll be the first one signing up. I'll be straight there. Now, finally, my place. <laughs> When you use the shovel, make sure you spread evenly and then bring back towards you in a nice smooth motion. <laughs> oh, you could be the teacher. You're good at this. Yeah. That's no. How would you actually mix it? Uh, get a barrel and just like like a tumbler, <laughs> just like just like really just 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 to pour at it like a cat, and it should spin around fast enough you'd be able to mix the salute I don't know, the cement and then spread, like I said spread evenly with a shovel I don't know where I'm going with this time to be honest with you I think I should have left that alone about five minutes ago <laughs> no, no I think you should have you should have dig, dug as deep as you could into it I think it's fine <laughs> um but yeah when I was younger I didn't really have a, an actual dream job I was just kind of like I wanted to just get a, a job like because my parents like my mum just worked at Boots and my dad just worked in like a drinks warehouse place so I never really was like, oh, I know I want to do this big thing or that thing, because I just saw what my parents did. And I probably, I was probably just a very realistic kid who was just like, well, you know, we'll probably end up doing something like that for a bit while we work out what you might want to do. And I eventually did, like, I eventually did work in Sainsbury's for about three years. And that was probably what, what I always thought I would be, would be doing as a kid, something like that. But I always liked writing. I always liked writing stuff. And uh, I liked the idea of, creating little worlds and writing my little stories and I think even as a kid like English was the one thing I was good at at school and so I probably always deep down was like I want to write something and I, did, I never knew in what context or what world or anything like that um, and it just ended up being comedy when I was a teenager I suppose. 
it's interesting isn't it? because you find people that enjoy creative writing and things like that they can go in so many different avenues like it's so many mm. different places it can take you and i love the fact it led you towards comedy but one well, thing well, oh sorry and i was just gonna say i remember when i i did a a course once and um, talking about different avenues and the teacher there was like oh no for this this part of the course you have to do gothic poetry because she was a big fan of gothic poetry and it was that thing where people who don't know maybe the ins and outs of writing might just go oh it's creative writing you must love it and I was like I don't give a crap about gothic poetry mate like like that's not what I'm here for I'm, I'm not here for talking about poetry that's for if you like it great but it is that thing where I think some people who aren't in the creative world might just go, oh, it's creative writing. You must love all of it. Whereas I know plenty of people who love comedy and they'll hate plays or they'll love plays and they'll hate live music or whatever. Like it's it's such a, a nuanced thing and there's so many different types. That's always fine with school. It's always like, you know, you're six or seven and go, so what do you want to be when you're older? And like, well, how the fuck am I supposed to, then you get to 16. It's like, well, you've got to decide what you're going to do for the university. Now you go, well, I I basically like girls and masturbation. Is that a thing? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? You get to that sort of age, then it's drinking at 18 and it's going out all the time. It's just, it's nuts how they expect you at such a young age to be like, right, decide your life now. Uh, okay, well, I like boats. Um it's like some of the most randomest shit that's coming into your head. Like I, I went to university at 21 and to do criminology and I do nothing to do with criminology. I work in fucking events. It's just so nuts how they, you'd have to, you have to decide the rest of your life at such a young age. How did you go from boats and masturbation to criminology? I don't know, Tom, to be honest with you. I think it's just, I think there's something wrong with me. If I'm really honest, um, it's just the random <laughs> shit that just comes out of my face every now and again. I just jump from one avenue to the other. There's no real context behind it all. It's just a road. As soon as I start talking, all these roads start opening up. So I'm like, well, I'll just take that one. Uh, and then I'm going to this one. There we go. That'll do that. So that's literally how that happened. I've just got an image of you rocking up for the first day of university. You've got like a sailor's hat on your head. You've got uh, a roll of tissue in your hand. And you sit down and go... Oh, no, it's the wrong course. <laughs> Whilst trying to get the tissue off my hand and can't. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh, no, not again. Not again. You know, <laughs> I'm going to cry for you to solve, lads. Who stuck this tissue <laughs> to my hand? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was me. Anyway, um... So where did the love of comedy come from then? Is it always, is there anybody that you saw when you were younger that you would aspire to be, like any influences in any way? Um, I think I watched a lot of sitcoms with my parents and, you know, back then there'd always be sitcoms on 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 the BBC that repeated a lot and it everything from like Keeping Up Appearances to Last of the Summer Wine to um, Blackadder and Only Fools and Horses and my family and all these sorts of different ones from different eras. And we just watched them as a family and really enjoy them. And so it just meant that I had a real love of comedy that I saw on telly. And then that would eventually grow into things like panel shows, whether it was Nevermind the Buzzcocks or QI or Mock the Week. And I think probably eventually through Mock the Week is where I first got into stand-up comedians because that was probably the first time I saw it 
presented in a way where it went, oh, here's a panel show and there's a bit of stand-up. And you go, oh, that's a, that's a new thing. That's quite exciting. And then you find out these people are comedians and it probably just came through basically watching stuff on the BBC, to be honest. Was was um was there ever a desire to learn to be an actor to be in sitcoms or was it always stand up? I liked doing drama at school. I really enjoyed that. Um, that was probably the first kind of performance stuff I ever really did. I didn't really, I never took part in school plays or anything, so it was a bit weird when I did drama and everyone thought I was going to be crap at it, and I was really good at it. Um, so I enjoyed that, and I liked that aspect of um you know, playing different roles and playing parts. And I'd, I wouldn't mind doing some acting at some point, but it's always felt like in my brain, I've always been like, right, prioritise that part of your career. And it's like, it's so hard making a career in the arts. And there's part of me that goes, well, if you try and be a comedian and an actor, that just means you've got twice the opportunity to get rejected for doing stuff. <laughs> and it means you have to work you know, twice as hard to, and you you don't want to split your energies two ways. I suppose you don't want to kind of feel like you're you're half going for acting, half going for comedy. So I was I was right, right, go comedy first because that was the one that I thought I can write it, I can do it straight away. Whereas with acting, if you want to write it as well, like you've got to write a whole bloody play really before you can put it on. It, it's a much, mm. it feels like a much longer stretch for something you have to do, or at least from my awareness of it as an industry like i'm still not massively up, up on that as an industry because i've always been like oh comedy that seems you know all right you just write a joke you apply to a open mic gig and you tell a joke <laughs> it's really simple like yeah. you say it's really simple but, but the one thing you need to be to be a comedian is, is to be outstanding to be outgoing rather and willing to put yourself out there were you always like this? Or was you out like an outgoing child? Or was this something you sort of had to learn to be in order to follow the stream of being a comedian? I was very quiet and very shy as a kid. Um, I was the quiet kid at school. Like I remember when I was about about 16 doing sixth form and someone asked me a question in business studies and I answered and they went, oh, you can talk. That really sort of quite mean and quite pointed because I was just so quiet. I was just focused on getting good grades i didn't really care about being cool or hanging out with people i was like no i just want to go to school get good grades and then get a good job really that was my, my, my main aim so I, was, I did have to really teach myself to be good at performing and good at just speaking to people <laughs> like it wasn't something that really came naturally to me but um i mean it's it's strange because i feel like but yeah, when I'm in a conversation that bit comes quite naturally to me like i know how to speak to people i know how to sort of read people but the initial stage of it, like I, I wasn't very good at the introductions or putting myself in those places or putting myself out there. And that's something I probably had to learn in my sort of late teens and my early 20s when I was trying to get into stand-up. I feel that one. I still feel that one to this day. <laughs> oh, mate, no, I, I mean, I should say, I still have times where I really struggle with some things. I've so many times where I sort of say to my girlfriend, like, can you... Can you help me send this email? Because I'm quite scared. <laughs> and she's just like, it's just an email, mate. And I'm like, yeah, but I, what if they say you're an idiot? And it's like, I've never had any email calling me an idiot, but you just you do <laughs> still have that thing or you still have that thing where, you know, you do need to build yourself up and go, no, I should speak to that person. Because it is, um, especially when you're working in, you know, different 
creative avenues, it basically feels like someone could reject your entire personality and just basically go, no, we don't want you. And that's not, um, you know, that's not something you really have when you're at Sainsbury's, really. You just work, you do your job, and it's fine. You never have someone going, no, we don't want you in, in the same way. It's, so it is it is a always a risk when you put yourself out there. Absolutely. Go on, Jim. I was going to say, for me, it's phones. Away. My phone rings, and I don't know that number that's phoning me. I'll just throw it across the room. Like, no, I'll run away. Like, someone tells me to make a phone call. Nope. <laughs> that's the thing. I know a lot of people who have real things with phone calls, and I I get that. I really, I, for ages when I was a teenager, I wouldn't answer the phone. And I don't know what that is. I think I get, it's because you can't see them, maybe. Maybe that's what it is, because you don't know who they are. You can't see them. And so, like, are you better with reading people's facial expressions? Is that is that part of it, or? Yeah, I can talk better in person. Once, once, like I was saying before, once that introduction's been done, and I'm talking mm. to someone, I am fine. But how would I'm... you feel if I turn my video off now? So there we go. I'm still here. <laughs> it's weird now. Do you not like it now? <laughs> no, come back. Oh God, he's sweat. <laughs> he's sweating. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Is it right, not I'm time back. for a sociological experiment, Tom? No, that that failed that experiment. <laughs> I, I just think it's amazing that you've put yourself out there in a career which is, you know, you you you're putting yourself out there for the world to basically sit there. You know, are they going to laugh or they're going to not laugh? Do you know what I mean? Like it's an, it's a, I think it's incredible, and I tip my hat to you because there's no fucking way I could do that. There's no fucking way I could stand and be like, so. You know what? I don't know why everyone always says the so phones, eh? What about them? Like that's always their go-to when they're not a comedian. That's their go-to thing to say. Mate, can you not give away my best material on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so sorry. Yes, I, I watched all those videos earlier. Now I, you know, I've just got, I've just got Mayhew seething through me. I love it. But do you, um, do you, re- do you really feel like you couldn't though? Because is it that much different from doing a podcast? Because a podcast, you're basically going, we think we're interesting, so listen to it. But I suppose because we don't, I, there's no immediate reaction to it, is there? I can put it out there and go, cool, that's that then. If people want to enjoy it, that's fine. If they don't, whereas obviously in comedy, you're like, your audience is there. And it's like, well, here we fucking go. And then it's just blurt. And then it's either, ha, 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 or boo, get off, don't want to see you anymore sort of thing, or walk out or whatever. What if it was like a live podcast? Have you ever done one of them? We're working. To, we've done a, a live, we've done gigs where we put shows on for the foundation and we've hosted it, but we just go, thanks for coming, everyone. It's blah, 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 blah. Then we walk off. So it's not really like a podcast, if that makes sense. Okay. So I'm I don't wanna, have to... I just want to talk you into doing stand-up by the end of this <laughs> podcast. Like, <laughs> I shall make it my life's work. Um, <laughs> we, I, try, I tried... I, I wrote a couple of things in my head when we did a gig last year, um, but everyone was, because it's a, a gig, I don't think anyone was really anticipating that to happen. So I said some things and nobody really reacted. And they were just like all chatting amongst themselves. I was like, oh, yeah. So uh, I thought in the future, we'll just put a show on and go, here's the band, hooray, and walk off. That so, shows you that shows you can be a comedian because a natural comedian instinct to survive is to sometimes blame the audience. <laughs> so you've already got that. Big tick. Uh, the, next part, the, the next part, Tom, was uh, how to actually deliver. Is the <laughs> just pretend you're Daniel Bryan and just go on stage with that energy and see what happens. Oh, amazing. Just start kicking loads of people in expert zone to chant yes. 
as, say, as I'm on the stage with you, if you run it with your knee, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be a bit, it's, it's some sort of like sex dungeon, wouldn't it? People getting kicked and people going, yes, one more, yes, more. <laughs> This podcast is about you, Tom, not about trying to train me into, into doing stand-up for no reason. And, uh, this is about you. We're here to talk about Tom Mayhew, not Tom Stevens. I mean, that's the thing about me. I really don't like talking about myself, so I always try and turn it on to other people and just go, no, let's let's talk about you being a wrestler and a stand-up comedian at the same time. Let's talk about that. Fantastic. Well, how... How did you get into the comedy career? How did things like start off for you? Mm, I remember uh, sort of listening to a lot of podcasts by comedians and they basically said how there were like different uh, Facebook groups and different pages where you could find deals for gigs. And I just looked them up and you could just go on Facebook and type in like open mic comedy and it would be like 50 results. And it was as easy as clicking on a page emailing this email and going can i do a gig and usually with open mic gigs they'll be like yeah we've got a gig in about two months because they have ridiculous waiting lists and you just go cool i'll do it and then your name's down it it always is bizarre how um kind of unofficial it all (laughs) it all feels when you're signing up even when you're doing paid gigs nowadays that often sometimes can go oh do you want to do that gig i'll pay you this you just go yeah sure and there's no contract you just turn up do the gig and usually get get cash in hand like it's it feels so weird like any other line of work you feel to be be contracts people would be signing stuff and they'd be you know there'd be itineraries and all this but comedy is just like oh yeah just turn up there be here about six or seven uh you do around 20 minutes there we go here's your money And, and it's Bizarre. So it's, it's really kind of easy to get into. I mean, I'm not saying you should definitely do it in your uh, Daniel Bryan character, but I'm just saying if you wanted to do that, um, <laughs> just Facebook search and, you know, open mic comedy. You can find a place. I'm sure we'll get somewhere where you can do, oh, do King Gong. Do like a gong show in character as Daniel Bryan and threaten <laughs> them with chairs and just like see what happens. <laughs> They're not going to gong you off if you've got a metal chair in your hand. So That is very true. And I have lots of flames. Get trunks of flames on, knee pads of flames on, boots of flames on. That'd be f- oh, really? You get that really shitty shirt you used to wear when you're a 15 year old kid with all the flames on it and the dragons. Do you remember them? Yes, everyone had them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were always bright red for some reason. Yeah. A bright red shirt out of there with silver dragons on there, flames at the bottom. Yeah, because red and orange goes so well together. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, look. <laughs> yeah. You're still rocking it to this day. It's appreciated. It's appreciated. I've actually completely... Oh, yeah. I was going to say, when you talk about how unofficial all these gigs are, I can imagine it's all, like, really underhand, like, under the table, sort of, like, back alley type shit. Yeah, Tom, Tom, I've got a money for you. I've got a money for you, you know, for the for the gig you did. Yeah? Yeah? It's like... Yeah, and down the back alley, it's like, you got, you got some cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, you're not, you're not far off, to be honest, mate. You, you get, <laughs> some of the gigs are. Some of, like, the open mic gigs might be like that, definitely. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it depends what gigs you do, I suppose. At what point did you go, okay, I'm doing these open mic nights, I'm enjoying this, to I would like to do this as a career. I'm going to go put on an Edinburgh show and whatnot. What what, what was that moment that you went, I want to put all my attention into this? Was it like an epiphany or was it something that just sort of happened? Um, no, I think, I think I kind of knew I wanted to do it as a career before I even did 
any gigs. I kind of knew that, oh, I'd really love to do this and I'd love to do it long term and, and make myself good at it and get a career out of this. I think if I didn't want to do it as a career, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have just thought that seems really anxiety inducing. Why would I do that if I don't want to have a, have a big sort of aim or goal? So I kind of feel like I I wanted to do it as a career since since I decided to do it. Um, I probably didn't start approaching it professionally until about 2014. Um, that's when I first kind of would have started gigging regularly and being like, right, okay, we've got to try and do three or four gigs a week and you've got to try and gig in all these places and gig in these little clubs and, you know, try and approach it in a way like that where you do try and basically tick off things that you see as career progression, whether it's doing a certain gig or gigging in a certain city or doing a Brighton Fringe Show or Edinburgh Fringe Show or whatever. And that was probably 2014 when I started doing that. Can you, can you actually remember your first ever show that you did? Yeah, my first gig. Um, yeah. yeah, it was uh, above a pub. It was a like a Laughing Horse New Act of the Year competition. And I was like, I'm a new act because I've not done a single gig. What I didn't realise is that new act can mean you've been gigging for seven years. Uh, <laughs> but I was just like, I must be new. It's my first gig. So I did this gig and it was like a five minute set. And um, the MC was a man from Iceland called Snorri. And he was very nice and very friendly. And I was very nervous. I like considered running away before the gig. And then eventually I was like, well, I've paid to come into London. I may as well do it because otherwise I've just wasted money. And it was a weird thing where I was I was so nervous that I ended up speaking to a guy in the front row who had blue hair and just speaking about the fact he had blue hair for about two minutes. And it's strange because some comedians do like 100 gigs and they go, oh, I'm still not confident talking to an audience. Whereas for me, like my nerves made me speak to an audience member, which is kind of the opposite of some people. Because some people, their nerves make them just read their jokes like it's a script. Whereas for me... Mm my nerves made me go, oh, God, I'm panicking. Uh, talk to this man in the front row. And he's talked about his blue hair for about three minutes. That's incredible. It's, it's a wonderful reversal, because like you say, most people are like, joke, 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 I'm out of here. You've gone, audience, audience, audience. Shit, I was here to tell jokes. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but honestly, I you're most... Go on, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, how do you come up with your act? Because obviously, you you base your act around obviously poverty and how fucking shit uh, the UK is right now and everything else. Like, how how would you decide that this is what I want to base my act around? This is what I want to base my jokes over. Um, I, I guess it's a partly just talking about what you know. To be honest, like literally, um, you know the the uh, Radio Four series, the first one I did, and the sort of the show that was written in 2019 was about me just sort of leaving school and finding myself signing on for a for a number of years and how annoying and frustrating that was and then I saw in the media oh there's no one really talking about this and I was like right well I'm going to talk about it and write jokes about it because that's how you get people to talk about these things and um it just felt like it was quite an important thing to do I think especially because from you know um, my experience and the experience of many other people of my generation or other people I knew who have signed on in the past 13 years of you know austerity and the Tories being in charge have all found it very similar 
kind of soul-destroying experience. And I was like, well, I should probably write a show about this and sort of take take the, the mickey out of that experience a bit to try and get... Like, I think a lot of great art sort of comes from when you try and get something good out of a really crap moment and then you try and make something positive out of it. And I think that's what I what I try and do with my life. Like, I try and always just think, okay, if that's a bad thing, we can turn it into something good. And then instead of looking back and going, oh, that was a really crap time of my life, I can look back and go, oh, that helped me write a really good show. And then that's like a, a nice way of kind of reversing it in your head and going, okay, that's really cool. It's it's almost part like um, the cathartic nature of writing about it, but also just also just kind of going, I've not seen anyone else do this and I really want to do it. And, you know, I think if you're trying to make new stuff, new art, you want to write about stuff that's interesting, that's new, that's different. You don't want to be the 50th person who has a 10-minute set about Tinder because I don't see the point of that. (laughs) Great point, though. Yeah, it's so valid, especially with how absolutely fucking dreadful everything is it's almost like it's almost like it writes itself in a way because the tourists just go ah this spout is bullshit you go wonderful thank you so much any more rishi any more oh, wonderful <laughs> love. do you know what i mean <laughs> fucking pricks sorry so <laughs> makes me so angry with the way that just this, this, that, that this is allowed to happen that it's allowed to be a thing there's allowed to be a party that sorry to get political i don't I, it, again that going down that road again um that basically goes fuck the poor. No one likes them. Let's make them all eat turkey out on the on the fucking you know bring out your dead and all that bullshit with the fucking carts yeah. everywhere. People like dumping them in and they're throwing like their waste on you and shit like that. Like that's what they want. That's what they really want. So they can sit there and just wank each other all off. They're like look at all the poor people eating mud outside. <laughs> oh how we laugh! Look at our massive fucking fifty meter long table full of food that we're not even going to eat because it's just funny to have it there. Sorry. Oh, sorry, Tom. Yeah, it's just and why I so yeah, so but literally you're literally just like more please, more it's almost like I, I don't want them to fucking win next year, but you kind of want them to, so you go, lovely, more material, thank you so much. <laughs> I mean, luckily I don't think that Keir Starmer is gonna be the radical left wing solution that we need, so I should be fine. Um Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think Keir Starmer is gonna be more of the same, but slightly less of a dickhead, but still a dickhead. So, you know, I don't think it's gonna radically because at the moment, you know, I'm going to turn to the bloody politics podcast. But, you know, at the moment, it's literally, you know, Rishi going, I hate trans people. And Starmer going, I also hate trans people. And you go, wow, what a great choice we've got between these two dickheads. Fantastic. Mate. It's just so I'm not I'm not hopeful that uh, I mean, for my career, it's fine. <laughs> for, for society as a whole, it is not going to be what we need. But, you know, at the very least, it means I can keep doing the kind of comedy I do, I suppose. Swings and roundabouts. It, so mm. it is so fucking random. What what can we pick on? Uh uh people in boats. Let's just pick on them. Uh mm. uh, uh the LGBTQ community, let's pick on them. Uh fuck. Anyone else? Is there anyone else we can pick on? Women and children? Should we pick on them? I don't know anymore. It's it's literally it's just garbage that falls out their face literally all mm. the time. And you know, it, the world is fucked. So fucked. It's unbelievable. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry. You are but yeah, I, I literally I think Starmer's literally taking Christian's fucking name as Captain Charisma, like literally. Mm-hmm. Like fucking hell. I mean he's so boring as well. I know everyone yeah. has said it, but it's just like there's nothing to him. Like at least 
you know, I, I wasn't a fan of Tony Blair, but at least there was a bit of charisma or something there. Like, you know, he, whereas I just feel like I've never seen Starmer. He's a man who, you know, I've never seen a man who has kids who manages to give off such boring virgin energy. <laughs> yeah. It's like Coke Zero. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> oh. This, yeah. Sorry. How do you how do you go about writing your material though? Is there a process for it? Is it like, I don't know, you hear something in the news, you're like, oi, voice note while you walk down the road, or is it run a hot bath, light some candles, have a bit of reflection time? Like what what is the process for you writing your material? Uh I mean I kind of it kind of is close to the first one really, and I, I do I mean, similar to literally the, the rant we just had in in that I kind of think of things that annoy me and go, why does that annoy me? Okay, how can I write about that in a funny way that turns that annoyance on its head? So, like, the annoyance could be, you know, for example, you know, the the ridiculous rise in transphobia in the right-wing media. And so then I go, okay, I'm going to write some material that's going, isn't this ridiculous because X, Y, Z? And he writes some jokes about how ludicrous it is and how silly it is. And so it kind of always comes from a place of... um. I don't know, I guess uh, frustration about sort of negative stereotypes and um, propaganda, really, where I just feel like there's, <laughs> they just, there's so much crap that's spouted by a lot of these people from these, these media firms. And you just go, well, you know, I disagree with that. So I'm going to write some comedy that expresses that while also uh, highlighting how absurd that is and, you know, it's usually quite easy to highlight how absurd it is because these people are just idiots who've just jumped on the next big topic and gone, oh, that's made me angry. I don't really know why, but we're all saying it makes us angry and they don't act, they've not actually thought about it. And so their opinions are just utterly ludicrous and ill thought out. And you're like, okay, I can probably take the piss out of this. <laughs> it's like the Trump DeSantis method, isn't it? Just say everything's woke for no reason, even though you don't have a fucking clue what that is then just start bashing everybody oh, for absolutely yeah. no reason. Yeah, and saying it's all fake news and everyone's going... And then for some reason, Americans eat it all up. How many... I mean, that's the, the depressing thing is how many people do eat this stuff up. You know, that's always going to be a frustrating thing. But that's always been the case, apparently. Like my... Um, someone told me recently they were reading something about the plague. And apparently even during the plague, there are people who are going, oh, it's not real. You know, don't worry about it. It's not a real thing. And you just go, oh, okay. <laughs> like even then, there was people who basically were saying it's fake news, you know, over 100 odd years ago when there were dead bodies in the streets. And you just go, okay, well, there's always going to be these people. There's always going to be propaganda. There's always going to be contrary idiots. And it's just trying to navigate it. You say that about like people who have always tried to defend the actions of these people and argue against everything, but... Do you ever have that backlash when you're doing shows? Like, have you had, like, the crowd turn on you, like, heckle you and stuff like that because of your voice and your opinion? Um, I did in 2019 um, because, uh, like, leading up to the election, I, I probably wasn't doing gigs thinking what was the best way of smashing this gig. I was just trying to think what's the best way of trying to tell people they should not vote for the blonde bumbling twat 
so so those gigs i had a few gigs where uh i probably doubled down on just you know saying the tories are awful people when the audience didn't want to hear it and i was like well, i'm just going to double down on it because literally we've got a month to the election and uh I don't really care how the gig goes. I'd rather we we got a progressive government in power. And so you just it just almost felt like my duty to try and go, oh well, I'll try and yeah, make these people see the side. And so some people kind of hated me at those gigs and were shouting out stuff and didn't like me. Um never sort of, you know, physically violent or anything, because I don't think you really get that that often at a gigs unless um you're being massively aggressive and even my stuff's not massively aggressive it can be sort of challenging or quite pointed but i don't deliver it in a you're an idiot way i deliver it in a i think this is wrong because blah 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 so i think you know people just didn't like what i was saying i didn't agree with it um and just weren't happy with me being on stage <laughs> um but but generally apart from that it's okay um i feel like it's often a case of um picking your battles and sort of playing the playing the room a bit and knowing that if you know if the first joke about signing on doesn't go down well don't do the next half an hour <laughs> like switch it up a bit and go okay maybe they'll like jokes about football or, or something else do you know what I mean it's that kind of thing which means that most time I've not got into trouble Okay. It's important though to tell these stories because at the end of the day, some people might not have heard of this. It, you know, I'm so ignorant to the news because every time I hear someone like, "Oh, this is depressing as shit," and I can't bring myself to pay any attention to it, I'll be completely honest. The amount of things Tom's told me about my own city that I didn't know about because I don't pay attention. But like, just one of the clips of yours I saw talking about Carol at the job center. I was like, I've been mm. there. I've signed on. I know of Carol. I've dealt with a Carol. Yep. But I can guarantee there's a lot of people out there that haven't dealt with a Carol. So it's quite mm. eye-opening to these people at the same time. Yeah, no, and I think it, I think it that's the, the one of the main reasons for sort of writing this and doing this kind of comedy because um you want people to know your story and your experiences and to sort of empathize with that and to um see how like frustrating the kind of behind the scenes stuff is when you're just literally trying to get 60 quid a week so you can afford food like, <laughs> and how many sort of hoops you have to jump through and it's kind of mad all the crap that they kind of make people do and and not just for people who are job seekers people who are you know they're, they're ill they're on pip and they still have to prove they're ill and you're a bit like mate like, like why are we not trusting doctors anymore when did that stop happening and it, it's kind of it's kind of insane like i've you know my, my dad's on pip and he has, has to kind of, you know, once a year they say to him, oh, you're still ill? And he goes, yeah, I'm going to be ill till I'm dead. So why do you have to keep asking him once a year? It's kind of in, it's, it's insane. Um, do you know what I mean? And so it's that ridiculous thing where if people don't know about it, it's not going to change. So I guess part of it maybe comes from, you know, it's partly sort of going, I want to write about my stuff and sort of want to tell my story, but also... A, a sort of deep hope of maybe if we all talk about these stories, eventually stuff will change and it will get better. Uh, whether it will in our lifetimes, who bloody knows, but at least we can say we tried. Yeah, and that's what I find most admirable massively about it. 
is that you don't, you've not been backing down to the people that are like, well, actually, I think you're wrong. It's like, okay, well, that, and that's fine. And that's okay. But then they don't even like that. And you're like, well, no. it, it's, it's, it's nuts to me why people want to, you know what I mean? But you are right. There's, there's hardly any political sort of comedy out there, especially with the stuff that you're talking about. But you mentioned the PIP thing then. Um, hmm. Sorry, to, sorry about your, your dad, by the way. That's a, that's a really shitty thing. Like you'd, you'd have like no arms or legs, and they're still checking every year. Have you still still not got any limbs? Like, yeah, no, no, still. I've actually lost more of my torso now. I mean, did you want to know about that or like it, it's literally it's insane? Yeah, it's like actually... the uh, the, com- the comedian Francesca Martinez has got a bit about how she's on pit and. Once a year, they go like, "Oh, so uh, have you still got cerebral palsy?" And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah I've still got that. Yeah, like, it's, of course you have. Literally, like, she's had it for <laughs> for quite a while. Do you know what I mean? And it, the fact they have to check that is utterly insane. Like, they're like, has that got better? No. What, what do you mean? Has it? Do you not know how disabilities work? You, you wouldn't go up to someone in a wheelchair and go, "Oh, how are your legs, mate?" But that is literally what the PIP system's doing. It's absolutely absurd. It's them going, "Are you still are you still blind at the moment? Just just for the just for the form. I just need to write if you're still." <laughs> so, is it absolutely insane? It's insane. It is absolutely batshit. I, ne- I next don't thing, Let's say next thing you know, they're going to start testing them. They go to blind people, start waving in their faces. They're like, yeah, you pass the test. You're definitely still blind. All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the. I think there's some. There's some. There's some sort of like dark satirical comedy you can make out of these situations because they <laughs> are just so absurd. But it's like, but that's all it should be. It should be, you know, a a, a part in a episode of black mirror or something it shouldn't be people's experience because it's it's just so frustrating for people just to go yes mate i i am still in a wheelchair or whatever it is because i just yeah it's it's, it's insane absolutely it's, absolutely batshit because they haven't got enough billions as it is but susan like you say mm-hmm. with, you know with with her no limbs you know that she's taken like a grind and a half or whatever it is you know just peanuts compared to what they've got it's nuts that's that's the thing you know and again i I almost forget to say it occasionally but if you're on like job seekers or you're on pip then you might be living off about three grand a year that's it you're not taking tons of money off people you're not the reason there's potholes in the street or the reason that you know the the food's gone up literally you're on three grand a year you're not living this great life you're you're just scraping by and it's ridiculous people have to fight just for the bare minimum when it's like yeah, free, it's not much free grand a year in a, in the grand scheme of things i've heard there's some people who earn a bit more than that so maybe we should talk about them <laughs> wow anyway anyway <laughs> if you want to hear loads of jokes about that uh, i've got <laughs> I've got a Radio 4 series where there's loads of really good jokes about it. Um, you know, so go listen to that. It's on my YouTuber, it's on BBC Sounds, and uh yeah, enjoy them. So what's really nuts is I was literally about to say you adapt to the show and you've got Tom Mayhew is benefit scum on BBC Radio 4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what um how did the radio sort of thing come about? Did you is it something you pitched or did they ask you to do it? Um, I did my Edinburgh show at the Soho Theatre and a Radio 4 producer came to the Soho Theatre to see the show uh, he really liked it and was like we should pitch this for a Radio 4 series uh, then off the back of you know 
well, basically, yeah, he did the show in Edinburgh. It went well, it went well in Edinburgh. It transferred to Soho Theatre. Off the back of Soho Theatre, the producer pitched it to Radio 4, and they said, yes, it sounds really good. Let's make it into a series. And then that went well enough that we got a second series the year after. Um, and so, yeah, it kind of was just pitched off the back of the live show doing really well. I mean, I think that's the thing about a lot of Radio 4 comedy stuff is that it is just you know, it's rooted in either sketch or stand-up. And so if you can prove, okay, here's a piece of work that works over an hour, it's very easy for them to go, okay, we can see how this would work on radio because it it often can just be literally lifting it from one medium to the other. Hmm. Absolutely. Did you, when you were going into writing that I, Tom Mayhew show though, the way they snowballed into all these different things, did you go in there with the plan of let's try and make this into something else? Or is it just like, what the fuck happened here? I just went on stage and now all this is happening. <laughs> um, I remember working on it. Like part of the reason I wrote, called it, I called it Item Mayhew because obviously the, the I, Daniel Blake film and the post is kind of a send up of that film. And so when I did that, it made me go, okay, that's the pressure on you, Tom, because this stand-up show has to be as good as that as that film is. Like you can't, you, you know, you can't name it after a really good film and then have a really bad stand-up show. It just would be absurd. Like so, I was like, okay, that's put pressure on me to write a really good show that kind of captures that reality and that truth and that heart, while also having loads of jokes and loads of Mickey taking and satire and stuff and that. So that put the pressure on me to do that. And I and I remember. I think before I did that show in Edinburgh, I was just like, I just want to take the show to Edinburgh, get like a four-star review, and then that would be my most successful show yet. If I had one four-star review, it would have been a success for me, you know, at that point. Uh, and then it got like, I think, four four-star reviews and a five-star review. So it went sort of much better than I ever expected. Um, you know, I actually made money at the Edinburgh Fringe for the first time, which, again, I wasn't expecting. Um but I kind of, you know, I knew I wanted it to be a bit of a statement show. I feel like given it that title and that poster and that subject matter, uh, I knew that I want this to go well. I want people to notice this. Um, but, you know, I think I didn't expect it to go as well as it did. I, I think before Edinburgh, I was saying um, to my partner, she directed the show and I sort of said to her, if it gets, you know, a four-star review... And then either like a day at Soho Theatre or a one-off Radio 4 episode, that'd be great. And then eventually it got really good reviews. It got three days at Soho Theatre, which sold out. And then two series on Radio 4. Like, I wasn't expecting that whatsoever. I mean, frankly, I probably wasn't expecting that because of, partly because of the subject matter. I was just so used to things mm. being things being crap and going, you know, oh, it's a story of me really struggling, not having much money and being ignored. You kind of expect it just to be ignored again. Um, so when people finally did listen, it was, yeah, absolutely insane. And it's it's, it's still something that's always, that's always going to be there. I'm always going to be like, wow, I did that. And yeah, it was, it did a lot better than I thought possible, which was amazing. 
Was, was there a lot of hype going into these shows? Obviously, I know a lot of comedians do like preview shows before they take it to Edinburgh and whatnot. So was, did you go into Edinburgh with a lot of steam behind you or was it at Edinburgh where it sort of all happened? Uh, I think Edinburgh is mainly where it happened. Um, I had a a few sort of decent reviews of previews and people saying nice things on social media after previews. Um and you know, I I kind of did some clever social media stuff. Like I um I sent letters out to like every Labour MP telling them about the show and kind of post a picture of the, the envelopes on social media so it showed that I was writing something that's got a point to it that um made a few people go, oh, okay, this is different from most fringe shows. This guy's got a point, he's got something to say. So I had a few social media things that I'd kind of done myself, but you know, I wasn't on any of the sort of shows you must see kind of list. I wasn't one of the, you know, fifty comedians due to make a splash at Edinburgh. You know, I didn't have an agent, I didn't have didn't have PR. So it, it was just a lot of um I think word of mouth in Edinburgh, which is is such a a big thing up there and such a incredible thing, I think, in, in Edinburgh where you can sort of take a show and you know, it, it probably happens to one in every 500 shows in that you can take it and it can grow through word of mouth and you can start the month with everyone going, who's that? And then by the end of the month, people go, oh, yeah, that person did that show. And that's the only place that can happen in Edinburgh, I think. It's crazy. I, I don't think it, I think people outside of the world of comedy and stand-up, I don't think they realise just how important the Edinburgh Fringe can be and how much of an impact it can have on people's careers like it's insane the, the stories you hear coming out of it yeah it's i mean it's huge so many people who i mean <laughs> pretty much everyone on telly has done an Edinburgh Fringe show like and a lot of them they would have come through um and got on telly off the back of doing the Edinburgh Fringe show because again similar to my experience with radio 4 you know some people could have seen uh Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie doing a live show and they'd go, oh, they'd be good on telly off the back of seeing them do something live in a way that you can never convey that through a script. So, uh, you know, there's so many people who, you know, like the Cambridge Footlights, like Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, like all these people who did Edinburgh years ago, and now they're kind of household names, and people have no idea that it probably all started in a little uh, 80-seat <laughs> venue or something in Edinburgh. It's mad. Like, I-, I was a big fan of the of the Mighty Boosh, and like even that started mm. at Edinburgh and then got picked up for radio and went on to be what that is today. Enabling Noel Fielding's hosting the Great British Bake Off. You know, it's it's mad how people's careers changed from doing that festival. I'm amazed he's still doing the Bake Off. Genuinely, I thought he'd do like one <laughs> one episode and then go, "What am I doing?" <laughs> <laughs> but he's, 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 he's still on it, isn't he? He's still baking and. Well, not so much bacon, but he's he's in there. <laughs> well, that's a moment. He's probably in this morning next. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I would wouldn't put anything past him if he can get on Bake Off. He can probably you know Do he'll probably host the news at ten by the you know by next week. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? But <laughs> <laughs> his co-host the moon. Knife <laughs> for the weather. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be so. I mean, you even got four stars from the Daily Fail. Sorry, Mail. I did. Yeah, that was which is 
absolutely unbelievable. That must have blown your mind a little bit, though. I mean, it, it was mad because, like, the um, uh, that was for the, the first series on Radio 4. And before it went out, there was a little article from some grumpy old man, I presume, going, oh, well, there's this comedian who's who's working class and he's left wing and he's going to do woke nonsense and blah, blah, blah. And then when it came out, the Daily Mail could be four stars. So now it just means that I can le- I can legit put on a poster, just Tory hating lefty, four stars, Daily Mail. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> that guy. <laughs> But it was mad. It was like it was like he's not even heard it, and he was like, "Oh, I bet it'll be another Brexit bashing uh, lefty." And I was like, "Mate, I don't I think I mentioned Brexit maybe once in the series, and that was to say my grandma voted Brexit, but I still love her." And I was like, "Oh, what a hateful left wing monster I am!" Like, <laughs> fucking. Oh. <laughs> but obviously, the Radio Four show did incredibly well for you to get that second season. Hmm. What point did you think this is going well? Like this could keep going. Was it? Did something happen, or was it? What was it? Um, I don't know really, because I think radio is such a strange thing. Like similar to, um, you know, all audio stuff like podcasts, in that you don't know how people respond to it or how people react to it. Like all you really know is you put it out. You have a few people tweeting or messaging to say I enjoyed that. And then that's kind of that. And you're just like, okay, was that good? Was that bad? <laughs> like there's no there's no kind of barometer. I, I, I have no idea how many people listen to it live or how many people uh, listened on catch up. I'm just like, okay, well, I worked hard on it. I think it was good. And then they were like, oh, we want a second series. And I was like, okay, well, it must have been good then. So I'll take that. Will it ever be for a third? Um, at the moment, they've not taken up a third series, uh, which I was a bit gutted about, really, to be honest, because I was kind of like, like, mate, surely this is more topical than ever. Why would you? <laughs> why would now be the time where you go, we don't want more of that? I didn't really understand it as a decision, but that's what they said. So I'm just like, fine, I'll just keep doing what I do, keep working hard, and then eventually... I'll be back on the radio somehow. I don't know how, but I'm 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 an absolute pain. So I'm like, well, I'm going to keep bugging you. I'm going to keep annoying you. Literally, every every two months, go. Oh, I've not heard from that producer. I oh, mate, have you uh, thought about putting me on the radio again, just to be uh, really? Because that's the thing. So much of comedy is just being a bit of an annoying dickhead. I think just just constantly going. Do you remember I exist? Do you remember that? Yeah. So. <laughs> You mean a really successful show? You maybe have to, yeah, we have two seasons for yeah. I want to bring it up for a third. Yeah, exactly. The thing is, Tom, watch when your career gets even higher than it already is. They're gonna, they're gonna come crawling back, and you're like, no, I'm doing how I got news for you now. So fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Season forty two. <laughs> I mean, for for pure clarification, I, I wouldn't say that. I'd probably still need the money, no, but. Uh... <laughs> Just, just in case, just in case listening. Listening. <laughs> <laughs> These are the opinions of Tom Stevens, not Tom Mayhew. Just <laughs> the sole words were spoken by Tom Stevens. I've got you back there, don't worry. You're all good. <laughs> we're not getting on Radio 4 now, though. Fuck. <laughs> no, but you, you are you are good. Have I got news for you, apparently? So there we go. Yeah. 
Is that Amnesty Eaton still there? No, just... <laughs> <laughs> and... He left, what, like 23 years ago or so? When did, it, when did he go? Oh, it was early early 2000s, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. He went, well, yeah, like Ian Hislop's still there. And Paul, is Paul Merton still there? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. That's that's longevity. That's amazing that that show has gone on for so long. Anyway, um, you had a show called Trash Rich last year. Am I correct? Yes, at the end of Fringe, yes. Yes. How uh, how did that go? What was that all about? Now, I mean, that was all about uh, literally society right now and the cost of living crisis and how uh, it feels like a very uh, kind of I don't know. I just I just it was kind of about how um, I think society nowadays just comes up with new names to explain the fact there's inequality. So you have like the recession, then you have austerity, then you have the credit crunch, then you have uh, the cost of living crisis. And I'm like, how many new names are you going to come up with before you go? Oh, actually, maybe there's real problems with society that are causing deep divisions in the country. And maybe we should look at that and not just keep saying, oh, no, there's this new branded thing. Because it's just like really bizarre in my head. They just go, oh, yeah, there's a, oh, there's a spenny penny problem now. So everyone's... <laughs> Everyone's struggling because of the spenny penny problem. And you're like, what does that mean? And they're like, oh, it's the, it's the spenny penny problem. Do you know what I mean? It's just happened. So you're not going to eat today. And you go, oh, oh, fair enough, mate. All right. But that guy is in a mansion. They go, yeah, but he's also feeling the spenny penny problem. Like he's had to, you know, empty his swimming pool for a day. So yeah. you go, oh, fair enough, mate. So it was kind of about my frustrations about the cost of living crisis and the depictions of all that nonsense i suppose i you know i've never ever thought of it that way i've never i've never gone oh yeah the recession the fact there's new names for it every fucking day is insane mm. but i'm pleased they didn't call it like platy jubs or <laughs> the, the cozy livy cry cry or, know, any, any bollocks like that. yeah like any bullshit like that but still um all the this drip down thing now that they they started spouting about drip down economics something where if you put it in the top nothing falls out so we mm. keep it all and you're all fucked that's been a thing for years the idea of trickle down economics the idea trickle that down. you know yeah yeah and it's what was it that someone i think i saw someone recently say something about how um oh i found a uh, 10 pounds on the street but i didn't give it to a homeless person I just went and gave it to uh, my neighbour who lives in a mansion because it will get to the homeless person eventually. <laughs> <You're> just... yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about these things. They go out there making it sound like they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then the idiots are like, yeah, he's right, you know, it's going to work. And then someone will come yeah. along and explain it exactly like that and they go, yeah, they're fucking idiots. Like, why do they expect <laughs> us to believe this bollocks? Like, it makes no sense mm. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. But you've written for uh, the news quiz and news check as well. Um, yes. Is it is it strange writing stuff for other people for other shows that you're not directly involved in? It is. It's it's a different kind of muscle in your brain because when you're writing, well, at least my stand up is always from a very kind of personal perspective and from my point of view and my experiences. Whereas the news quiz, it's just like, what's the news this week? okay, how can we write a funny joke about Theresa May or, or whatever it is? It's just literally 
looking at what's topical and trying to go how can we make it funny and so it's it's different but I, I do enjoy it because it, it feels like it's just like I don't know it, it like it it's like when you're you're so used to um playing football and you really love football and then you play a bit of hockey and you don't enjoy hockey as much as football but you go oh I like the difference I like the change it's that kind of I don't know why I can of those things. I've not played hockey since I did PE at school, but <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing where when they switch it up and you go, oh, it's something different. So it's it's like that where it's not um, what I naturally do when I write, but I still enjoy it and I enjoy sort of the pushing myself in that direction and um, getting myself to think of things in different ways. I love that. And it's always it's always really exciting when you hear your name on the radio, like. I still have that thing where even even if, you know, it's just my name credited at the end of a show, I'm still just like, that's what it's about. That's what you, you wanted since you were a teenager. So that's always just like, yeah. I love it. I love that you you keep writing, you're keeping busy because, and, you know, you always working. Like, as what, like Tom just mentioned, they're trash rich. We've also got this time next year, we'll be millionaires. Yeah, that and was this year's show, yeah. Did I read you a basically trying to sell things out of a suitcase or something yes yeah that's what i was <laughs> doing in that show I was, I was trying to make a million pounds within an hour by selling things okay it didn't work spoiler alert um <laughs> but it was, it was good it. fun it was good fun it was just um kind of like literally it was it was strange because some days there'd be loads of people who wanted to buy stuff, and other days you could tell people were just like, oh, "Okay, we've come, we've already bought a ticket. Do we have to actually buy anything?" <laughs> but most of the time, it was just very silly and very fun, and I was always like, "You don't have to, you don't have to actually buy anything because, you know, <laughs> some of this is a narrative device. It's okay. You don't have to buy." That'd be me. I know what I'm like. That'd be me sat in the audience and be like, shit, do I actually have to go buy something now? Like, if I sneak mm. out, will he notice if I don't buy anything? Like, <laughs> I don't upset the guy, but I don't want to buy anything from his weird suitcase. <laughs> no, yeah, mo- 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 most of it was deliberate crap that was just a kind of joke thing to sell, to be honest. Um, but it was it was good fun. I can imagine if you sat there being like, oh, Tom... Um... I bought them polos off you, the half-eaten pack. Yeah, twenty quid. Do you mind if I get that back? Is that all right? <laughs> it was amazing. One of the things I tried to sell it was a a little toy Noddy, and it was missing one of its legs. And I'd, I'd kind of hold it up, and a number of people who were going, "Oh, I'll give you a fiver for it," and, and they were actually trying to buy it. And I was like, "This is supposed to be so crap that no one would want it. Why?" So many people going, oh, come on, I'll give you a five. And I was like, no, I need it for tomorrow's show, mate. And just, why, <laughs> why do you want it? Because it's, it's on pick, it's not one, That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> oh. Did did the success of the radio show and everything help with those future fringe shows like the two we just mentioned? Did that bring the new audience into your stand-up stuff? Um, I think it did. Yeah, not not in the kind of um massively way. I think a lot of people would expect. I think uh, a lot of 
people kind of have this idea of you know kind of like like when things were on the x factor back in the day and someone would audition for the x factor and then the next day they'd have like forty thousand twitter followers and they'd be mobbed outside like i think people expect radio and tv to still be like that for for people whereas it's it's more a slight jump up so nothing crazy it's not like you go from a 40 seater to a 100 seater it's more like you go from a you know, a 40 seat to maybe a 50 seat. Like it's small little gaps. It's more incremental, I think, over the years now nowadays. But definitely, definitely people who've heard it, who've come along, which is which is always lovely. Like one guy, he 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 was in the audience for my first series on Radio 4, and that was recorded over Zoom. And he was in Northern Ireland. And then he came along to my Edinburgh show this year. And I was like, oh, mate, you're, you're from Northern Ireland. Like, why have you? But yeah, it was really, really lovely that like he'd, he'd come come to see me. So that's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I like it. But obviously, I, I find it really admirable that you use your platform to challenge like the, the, the government and the system. But does it, do you think maybe it holds you back in some markets? Like because they'll go, I don't want that being spoken about on our TV show or anything like that. Or have you not really thought about it? You just like, nope, this is me. Fuck you. Don't like it. Do one. Um, no, I think it does. Though genuinely, I think it. I think it does. I think, especially now, there's not really much of a space for like comedy that is physical on TV. Like you know, you think we we don't even have Moth to Week anymore. We don't have. The Mash Report, we don't have Frankie Ball's New World Order. All these shows that used to be sort of homes for political comedy aren't on anymore. So it it does feel like it's probably the harder route to to sort of TV success and radio success. And it it you know it feels like you'd have a, a bigger chance if I was just talking about observational comedy and and kept it a bit safer. But then I'm also like, yeah, but that's um. It's not how my brain works. So you, mm. you can only make the work that your your brain wants you to and your heart wants you to. And, you know, it, it definitely will put some people off, but it definitely will probably mean that I'm never going to be one of those panel show comedians. And I'm probably, you know, I've never done telly. I don't know if I ever will, but I'm also just like, yeah, but I'd rather look back and say I've done stuff that I'm proud of that has a point to it and... You know, who knows? Maybe somehow in the next ten years there'll be a, a radical left wing head of the BBC <laughs> who goes, "Yes, we want to do a show with Mark Thomas and Alexi Searle and Tom Mayhew, and we'd finally all get on telly together." <laughs> but who, who bloody knows? Do you know what I mean? But um, I I think you can't like you can't you can't worry about that too much in in this industry because you. You spend so much time trying to think about what you should do and what people would want, whereas really, like, what people want changes year by year. And there could be so many people who, you know, dedicate six years to try and be a certain thing, and then the industry changes and goes, oh, no, we don't want that thing. We want TikTokers now or whatever. And then they go, oh, crap, I've wasted that time. So you just got to do what what you believe in, I think. Absolutely. And I admire that so much and i'm so glad you said that because you know like you say no matter what happens that's you that you've got to write from your heart and what you feel and the fact you've stuck to that instead of going now nah, let's just go with the popular shit so i can get on tv you know you've stuck to your guns and spoke about what you're passionate about 
I really admire that. So that, that's uh, that's amazing to oh, hear. Oh, cheers, mate. Thank you. But I, it's... And also the, the pandemic obviously didn't really help things in regards to TV shows and everything else because they didn't invest in the arts. They didn't invest in any of the you know, the, the comedy venues or comedy shows, and they started to obviously just bin things off little by little so that it's not like a massive, like, let's just get rid of everything now. Let's just let's chop away at one and we'll chop away at the other. Um, mm. So, yeah. And I do do you feel that that's affected your career somewhat? Because obviously, like you say, you did a massive sellout of the Soho Theatre in January 2020 and then the pandemic went, boom, there you go, nothing for nobody for the next couple of years. Yeah, I do feel like it probably did. Um, it probably impacted it negatively um in a way because it did it did feel like you know i was i was on the up and i felt like a bit of momentum going and i was kind of booking a tour in to, to tour the show um so it was frustrating and it probably did knock it a bit but um again i can't you can never really say really like i think yeah with, with these things um you know it's you kind of go did that did that impact it negatively? Probably. But then there's also other things that help you along the way that you don't realise or things that hinder you in the other way you don't realise. And you, you can't... Again, similar to the, uh, you know, TV stuff, I just felt like the pandemic was a thing where we just all had to get through and you can't worry too much about how it impacts on your career or your, your stuff like that because there was far more important stuff going on really do you know what I mean I was just like well you know I'm all I'm all right I've I've not got long COVID I'll I'll take that (laughs) that that would have been far more of a problem than my career so I'm just like (laughs) oh well there we go that's a great way to look at it I was gonna say it's it's nice to hear someone turn around and going yeah it was shit but at least I'm not suffering really poorly like a lot of other people did so I'll take the wins where I find them Oh, I mean, at least we're still alive. Do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, just think, yeah. you know, there's, I just think so many people seem to forget that when they go like, oh, it was really hard for people. And it's like, yeah, it was really hard. It was really, really bloody difficult. But it's hard for a lot of people who are dead as well. Like, it was probably harder for them. Like, and I just, I just feel like there always needs to be a bit of perspective where people just go like, you know, it was a really tough situation. But, you know, my parents are still here. I'm very lucky they're still here. You know, I think at the start of the pandemic, we were all worried about everyone who's over 60. Do you know what I mean? Like, and <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and if, if our government had somehow been even worse, we probably would have lost even more people. So it's it's that thing where I'm always just grateful for what we got. Because I think if if uh, if you're not, then you should probably pay more attention. Yeah. But I just had this weird image of Boris being like, is it, is it Emperor Palpatine? Who's the good in Star Wars? You know, and it's like all, the, all those care homes. People go, yeah. And he's sat there, it's like, good. Gonna put any like, put, pulls that mask over. He's like, like that little wobbly fucking with his haystack on his head or whatever. I mean, like, oh, yeah, it's terrible, terrible. And so really terrible. going on. And it goes back and it takes all back off. He's like, and puts his hood back up. He's like the Sith Lord or something. I don't fucking know. That's just that's what came into my head just then. Sorry, Jamie, you were asking a question. <laughs> I do love your digressions. They make me laugh so much. Um, but I was i was going to say, there was a name you mentioned not long ago. And when I was doing my research for this, I saw a lot of comments from people saying that they discovered you thanks to Alexi Sales podcast. Mm. Like, as a British comedian who also spoke 
out a lot about politics and the government. That must have been a real surreal moment to sit down and talk to Alexei. Like, especially as you grow yeah. up in that early six. How did that come about? Uh I think literally I I uh someone commented on my Radio 4 series saying, Oh, you should go on Alexei's podcast. And then I just thought, Well, I'd like to do that. So I just got in touch with his producer and said, Hello, someone has told me I should go on Alexei's podcast. I'd love to do that. <laughs> And he was like, "Oh yeah, we've you know we've heard about your show, and people have said it's uh, you know it's got some similarities similarities between your series and Alexi's stuff. So we'd love to chat to you." And it, it was just that thing where um, the producer had probably heard of my work because of it being on Radio Four, and Alexi does stuff on Radio Four. And they said, "Yeah, we'd love to get you in to do the podcast." And then I kind of found myself sat opposite Alexi Searle, and it was utterly utterly bizarre. I was you, you just go. Oh God, you're you're that person from the telly. <laughs> it was it was it was weird, you know, kind of someone who you really kind of look up to and admire, and you don't really expect yourself to be on the same level as them, or, or for them to even know who you are. So it it was kind of lovely and really nice. That I got to chat to Alexi, and he's a lovely man, and he's you know lefty as hell still, which is great. You know, there's not been many comedians who. I, I think I said on the Alexi Sell podcast that he's a bit like the the Jeremy Corbyn of comedy in that he's had left wing views since the eighties and he's the only comedian who's not actually changed them throughout that time. He's not kind of lurched to the right or or changed. He's kind of been consistent in those views. Um, and I think the phrase Alexi said after I said that was, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm like the." Uh, I said, "Oh, you're, you're like the uh, Jeremy Corbyn of comedy." And he went, "Oh yeah, but I've got a nicer ass." <laughs> <laughs> I, I grew up watching the young ones if I was in front of Alexis Hell I'd be like just sing the Dr. Martin song please sing the Dr. Martin song for me do it now and that's all I think of <laughs> but I did um, I mentioned I don't think I mentioned that one to him I did mention the the Silly Noises song I mentioned to him that he also does in the young ones where it's just him going out he does yes. that one. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that one to him because I think it just reminds me of my dad because my dad just makes stupid noises all the time. And he, he laughed when I said that, which was really nice. And I was like, oh, good. You didn't just think I'm an idiot, which is nice. <laughs> but speaking of, speaking of podcasts, something I did not expect to read when I was doing my research for this show. You host your own podcast, but not about comedy or politics. It's about snooker. Like... <laughs> So, I'm I'm guessing you're a passionate snooker fan as well, then, sir. No, yeah, I really love snooker. Is and I I I I really enjoy it as a sport. But what I really love about it is that it makes sportsmen and celebrities out of often quite odd and weird men. <laughs> they just go, oh, this guy he's the, he's the world champion. And you just go, it's just a blood like my dad. Like what? <laughs> I really like it. I like football, like all the, the big names they have to be really like, oh, they're uber fit and they're sort of dedicated. And then, you know, snooker, like a few years ago, Mark Williams won the world championship and they were like, oh, what, how are you going to celebrate? He's like, oh, I'm going to have a beer and get a kebab. And you're like, good, this, these are my sports people. These are what we need. <laughs> snooker and darts, they're just like, they're, they are the British people when it comes to sports. <laughs> 
Well, and I think it's, I think that part of the reason, you know, in that you said it was surprising. I think part of the reason I do that podcast is, is because it is nice for me to have a project I can work on that is um, more lighthearted and, and a bit sillier and a bit more just, you know, I just chat to my mate Joe, we just chat about snooker. We have silly in jokes along the way. And it's nice to do something that's really sort of casual and silly and lighthearted that doesn't get too um bogged down in me going what's the point of this it's just me going <laughs> no let's do a funny joke about steve davis's balls that's fine <laughs> <laughs> well that random support protest that jumped on the table and covered it in orange dust exactly yeah i mean it's it has to be there's so many weird odd stories for a and what I love about it is that it's, it's a sport that a lot of people would just go, oh, that's quite a slow, boring sport. And you go, oh, yeah, but do you remember when the uh, the pigeon entered the crucible? And they go, what? <laughs> the pigeon? Of course, also shit at that, dude. <laughs> it, it shit everywhere. The referee couldn't catch it. <laughs> that's great. I, I think it's quite nice as well to take you away from the thing that you do all the time as well. It just like freshens things up a little bit and you get to talk about the most randomest stuff. It's wonderful. Yeah, well and and um yeah, and, and it's it's also that thing where um I think there's a lot of people doing uh podcasts that could just be me ranting about politics or whatever. I, I don't I don't feel like I'd go like, oh that's a new idea. Um <laughs> you, I think you always have to kind of be aware of you know not treading the same ground and trying to think of new new things and yeah as I said it's just a a nice chat with my mate really and it's good fun and it's I mean it's never going to be a podcast that makes us millionaires it's too niche it's far too niche like even the the biggest snooker podcasts out there probably only get about 5,000 listeners do you know what I mean so it's never going to be I'm never going to be at the O2 arena with it but it's just nice it's like a little passion project that we enjoy so uh, I would love the sport relief to grab you guys to do some commentary or something. That would be unbelievable, wouldn't it? Oh. I, yes. If you know who does that, then, you know, <laughs> tell them to get in touch. I'd happily do that. I think that's a genius idea. That'd be uh, amazing. You were talking uh, earlier about, like, you've done some acting as well. You were in a small short film uh, called Tall Dark Friend where you had trucks to the side of your face. I was Timmy Truckface, yes. You were, yes. Um, sadly, all, just... sadly overlooked for Oscars contention that year. Um, <laughs> what? How? How did you even stick? Because they were they were hefty mothers. How did you get them on your face? There was some sort of makeup thing they put on it. I think at one point they said they might use PVA glue, but I don't know whether that'd be good for your skin. Um, I think it was some sort of sticky makeup stuff that you could put on the truck and just stick it to the side of your face and really, really push it down and, oh. and get it stuck there. Like it stayed on for about five hours or something stupid like that. Dude, what? That's just walking around with a truck on my face. What was the story about anyway? <laughs> it was about one man and his truck. Um... I was really expecting that. Fucked if I know. <laughs> <laughs> No, it wasn't. It wasn't even um, about that, really. There was. It was just a scene in the uh, 
in this short where they talk about all the weird people who who do comedy and they all have their their own thing. So like that person's animated, that person's a tortoise, that person's deaf. That's a guy with a truck on his face. And it just cuts to me <laughs> of a truck on my face. And that's kind of it. And then at the end of the short, another guy comes in with a truck on his face. And I just go, fuck off. Has it never made you want to act? I want to do a full film as 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 Timmy Truckface, ideally. That'd be amazing, like the whole life story sort of thing. Really loves country music, like just starts going down the M1. And I just like <laughs> <laughs> my life's on motorways. Don't know why I'm fucking American, but there we go. <laughs> well, it's been it's, it's been written into the character now. You're, you're making it canon, so here we go. <laughs> yeah. This should, should be like Australian or something. Just really random sort of accent for this random. It'd be great. I'd love it. I'd watch that. I'd watch the shit. Well, maybe, out of it. maybe it's even better if it, he doesn't even like trucks. <laughs> I'm actually more of a lorry guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, why have you all that truck on your face? Do you really love trucks? No, I hate them, mate. I hate them. It's, it's a it's a curse. <laughs> oh, I don't really know how to break it. <laughs> <laughs> oh god before before we start wrapping this up Tom what what are you working on at the minute like what's coming up for you that you're allowed to start talking about um Timmy Truckface the movie that's gonna work <laughs> yeah um well what am I doing at the moment I mean I'm releasing the podcast the Snooker Loopy podcast we're still trying to do that regularly um in terms of writing stuff there's different kind of adaptations of like my my radio 4 show that i want to do i'm trying to work on them kind of quietly behind the scenes i've got different ideas like maybe a sitcom pilot or a short film or something i I, i'm trying to work on them and whether they'll come out and when they'll come out i have no idea i can't really say it's not really in my hands um i'm kind of working on them behind the scenes and then in terms of stand-up stuff, um, I'm almost always writing, always performing, always doing stuff, and I might try and do more stuff on YouTube as well. I've got, I've always got like fifty ideas. Do you know what I mean? There's always that thing where people go, "Oh, what are you working on?" And I'm like, "Probably, probably too much. I'm probably working on far too much at the moment." But you know, there'll be something pop up on on YouTube or on Twitter, like I'm. Because I was thinking, because I basically my my 2019 show, I never got to tour it, and part of me is going maybe I'll try and tour it next year. Because literally, like just for me, like not it's not going to be something that now people you know helps my career because the show's already gone out on Radio Four and stuff. But just for me, maybe touring it to say that I've done it because it does feel like otherwise I'll always go. Oh, I wish I'd toured that. Whereas. I might just do it next year. That might be a thing I do. We'll see. I'll be there. I'll go. Do it. Why not? Hundred percent. Amazing. What? Where's your local venue? Uh, Newport or Cardiff. Newport or Cardiff. Okay, I'll see what I'll see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean I, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should just book it in Portsmouth and go. Well, you said you'd be there, mate. So <laughs> put, put the hours in. Walk in. What the? What? You actually here? I'd go. Port, if it's Portsmouth, I don't give a shit. I'll go Essex. 
<laughs> just put in one random city, uh, like Loughborough or something. Like, yeah. It's really random. <laughs> I'm in Birmingham, so there's plenty of comedy places around here. So There we go. I'll, I'll, one of those should be doable. I'll, I'll put them on the list. <laughs> I'll try and get to both. Yes. But again, it, it, would, it would be very much me trying to find places that are fairly small, fairly cheap to hire, because um, I don't have enough of a profile to do theatres or whatever or, or that. But I think it could just be quite fun and quite quite nice to do it. So we shall see. Absolutely. Mr. Stevens, do you have any more questions for our wonderful guest? I do. I have one. I do have one more. When you started this whole journey of wanting to get into stand up, you know, and then you end up having an Edinburgh Fringe show that just blows up and you get your own radio series stuff. Did you ever think that this is where your life would be stayed everything and you would have achieved this already so early on? Um I think the the thing about any success in the arts is that you always are very grateful for any success you get, but you always want to be doing better i want to be doing more so um you know i'm always incredibly incredibly grateful that i've achieved what i've achieved and had like a radio four show like you know my as i said like my mum mum worked at boots and dad worked in uh a warehouse so the idea of us being on the radio is insane never mind having our own radio show so i've always got that kind of humble backdrop where I'm like I'm really grateful for all the stuff I've achieved but there's also always part of me that's like yeah but I've also worked my butt off so I'd quite like to be doing even better I'd quite like to be someone who is on telly who is selling out the O2 or whatever I mean I don't know <laughs> I don't know if I'd ever sell out the O2 I'm probably not um mainstream enough but do you know what I mean you I think you always have that thing where you want to be doing bigger and better um while also being appreciative of, of what you've got. So um yeah, I'm not I don't really know if that's an answer to your question. I can't work it out. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. I mean it is in a way. Like it's you like you say, you you're very proud of what you achieved, but you want you know you feel like you could strive to do more. And I, I agree with you. I think you could always strive to do more. You could you they say that um you should fight for your dreams, don't they? Because you will, you'll achieve them. The more you put in, and it, it sounds like you work your fucking ass off as much as it is. I think you'll smash it. I think you'll get there. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Uh, I needed this today. This has been lovely. Oh, you're so welcome. It's been great having you on. Like I've really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for taking the time out for to sit and chat to us tonight. It's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's been great fun. Really great fun. And I don't think I'm ever going to get over the idea of uh, someone trying to make cement in their mouth while spinning in a circle, quite frankly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you said, what are you working on, Tom? Odds <laughs> are it's going to be a live-action version of Dizzy from Bob the Builder. <laughs> I'm already... I'm so excited to see it already. I'm already, I'm already down. And people going, oh, what happened to Tommy? He used to be on Radio 4. They're like, yeah, he had a proper breakdown. He started... <laughs> trying to be a human cement mixer and he made these vlogs of him spinning around and we had to take him to the hospital and it was uh you know we said can we fix it and now we can't fix tom he's fucked he's absolutely just we got neil morris to the voice though (laughs) (laughs) it's the weird i guess yeah yeah. (laughs) oh mr mayhew before we let you go could we 
ask you any plugs, social medias, anything you want people out there to go and check out? Um, I always, usually for years, my main go-to was Twitter, but now Twitter's gone a bit evil, so I don't really know. But I'm still on Twitter a lot, or X, X they call it. Twitter, previously known as X, is what they always call it in the news, because it's a stupid name. Um, I'm on Twitter, uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram or, or YouTube, you know, just whichever one you use, I'm probably on it. Um, just check me, check me out there and um, I'll do an update when I do an update. Beautiful. Uh, Tom, thank you so much, man. Appreciate your time. Like it's been absolutely <laughs> great to chat to you and thank you so much. Have an absolutely superb evening and we'll be in touch. Cheers, mate. It's been really lovely. Anything else you need from me, let me know. Yeah, will do. Thanks, my friend. Thank you so Take much. Take it easy. Tom. Have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. What a wonderful, wonderful, weird old conversation. Absolutely loved that one. I meant to mention in the preamble as well, a massive thank you to our friend at, oh my God, why does the actor's name always escape me when we go to talk about him? At, at Sam Elliott's mustache on Twitter, or oh, sorry, X, for recommending Tom Mayhew to us. And a massive thank you to former guests Ethan Lawrence and Tom Stade for turning around and going, yes, these guys are great. Really appreciate that, gentlemen. Massively appreciate. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful. And uh, again, Tom, thank you so much for taking the time um, to sit and chat with us. Uh, we look forward to uh, seeing what you do in the future and obviously catching up somewhere down the line. Ethan, Mr. Stade as well, thank you so much. And Sam Elliott's Tash on X slash Twitter. We really appreciate you uh, telling him to come on here. Um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, but the main thing is we really hope that you will enjoy listening to it as much as we did recording it. So, Jamie, um, I found this absolutely hilarious, right? And I remembered it from my old retail days. I love the transition to the show. It's fun. I was in Tesco a couple of days ago, um, back on Friday, because Keris was absolutely desperate to pick up Britney Spears' new book, right? The Woman in Me, which has broken Guinness World Records for the fastest selling book in 24 hours, 15 million copies in 24 hours. Unbelievable. It, it beat Harry Potter. Insane. Like insane. Yeah. So that that I'm like, well, goddamn, that's unbelievable. Anyway, I saw somebody that worked for Iceland in Tesco. Okay. Which brought me back to that classic thing of, um, I know I shouldn't shop in here. I'm a traitor thing that everyone keeps saying, you know, and you're like, no, (laughs) you're you're not a traitor at all. You can shop wherever you like. It doesn't matter where you work. I love the idea of like Iceland, Asda, Morrison's police being like, one of our workers is in another store. This is unacceptable. You are fired. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was a thing? Like, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? It would spot. I remember in a manager's meeting when I worked for Morrison's and they were going around saying, like, where do you shop? Well, the manager's meeting and asking where we shopped. And the people really? that didn't say Morrison's, the looks we got were like, we fucking live here, mate. We ain't coming in our days off to do our family food shopping as well. Plus, this place is expensive. Fuck you. Like... Well, that's what I mean. I, that's what I'm saying. You, know, you wouldn't get somebody who shops in Aldi go to Waitrose, would you? No. Like, I'm not. I'm not. Not. It's not from a point of like, ha, you've got no money, you're poor. That's from a point of tomatoes in Aldi are like fifty pence. Tomatoes in Waitrose are like three quid. Like, yeah. Are you, are you? Are you ill? Are you okay? Like. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with you? No, I don't want three when I can get them cheaper elsewhere. That makes no sense. Plus, like I said, if if I work somewhere five days a week, I do not want to go there on one of my days off 
to then do my shopping. That's my time away. Plus, you know you're getting stopped, especially if you work in management. You know you're getting stopped and ask questions like, fuck that. No, I'm not going. God, I'm so glad I'm out of retail. It makes me angry thinking about it. You know what, right? I'd, I would more than happily be a mindless shelf stacker because you have no responsibilities and you have like you have to give a care in the world. Oh, but yeah. the money's diabolical. So like, I'd love to just go back and be like, I don't have to give a shit. I can just do this and go home. But still, I'm really happy in my job. Thanks. I'm really happy with where I work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I never understood that whole. I know I'm a traitor. Like, yeah, no, no, you're not. Not a traitor. We don't really no. care, to be honest. As as the as the kids now say these days, normalize shopping in other places when you work for a retail for a supermarket. <laughs> the kids say that. <laughs> well, they say norm people want to normalize everything. I don't know. I suppose yeah. Normalize <laughs> life. Um, I don't know. Anyway, kids are weird. <laughs> as we also know, uh, the clocks went back. They did this this weekend. Just gone, Jamie. Why? Is there nothing more stressful in this earth, on this earth, than having to change the timer on an oven or a microwave? Why is it the most fucking frustrating thing in the world? It's like, why are you not digital now? Why do I have to still manually change you? I don't know what this shape means and that shape means. I know that's a fan, so that turns the oven on. And I know that's the temperature. But what the fuck's all this shit? And you have to hold this one and hold that one together, then twist and turn that. No. I'm so grateful that my microwave doesn't have the time on it. My oven is so old. I think it was built before clocks were invented, to be honest. As far as there's not a sundial on it. So (laughs) I'm quite I'm quite happy. (laughs) But saying that, I haven't been in I haven't checked the one in the car. I wonder if that needs changing, because that'll probably get done. We'll just probably just wait for the next time the clocks change. We'll just remember. It's why is why is it so difficult to change the clock on a microwave or an oven? (laughs) I mean, with a microwave, to be honest, like we just turn it off now. don't even bother you know so it's midnight every single time i turn it on like yeah cool whatever (laughs) who looks at the microwave to check the time anyway you but you only use it to set a time on it so it's a countdown for that time anyway so i suppose before phones and watches well watches been around for ages but you know like like digital watches um people i I suppose mums used to do didn't they (laughs) hold on hold on i'll go check let me get to the kitchen hang on a second it's 4 15 Time to show tea. I've just woken up. Are you sure? (laughs) Have you not changed that for years? (laughs) Oh, I tripped the electrics yesterday. I forgot to change it. My bad. Mental. (laughs) Couldn't work it out. Yeah. It it just this is nothing more infuriating. Like, but it should be a very basic, very easy thing. But I swear, like the oven and microwave companies do just to piss everybody off. We'll, we'll fuck with them. We'll, we won't put it in the instruction manual. We'll just fuck with them. Or if we do, we'll just put symbols, not actually write down what you do. So, yeah. My final point that I want to bring up, let me say, we love to do things in threes. It feels weird otherwise. How do we measure how eager beavers are? <laughs> <laughs> now, this thought came to me last night, funnily enough. I was in bed. I was just sat there and I went, eager. people always say about being an eager beaver, but how do you actually measure how eager beavers are? Do you measure it on how fast they build their dams? Do you measure it on like their hunt for, for wood? Uh, I don't know. It, or their, why is that so, are you all right? <laughs> are you okay? That's really, that's really tickled me for some reason. Plus that's an expression I use all the time. 
And I don't know why I just never really put that much thought into it. But yeah, how eager is a beaver? That's a really... And how do you measure it? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really intrigued. Um, <laughs> fucking hell. Their front, their front, because you know, they gnaw through trees. Like, they oh, yeah. gnaw through, like, because you imagine getting bitten by one. Ooh. Oh my God. Like, there goes your digits, there goes your toes, there goes your penis. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Like, there's no, that literally one chomp and it's game over. That's our PSA for you this week. Children, do not put your penises near beavers. No, exactly. A lesson from the uh, Chronicles of Podcast. Yeah, very sharp teeth. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, do you reckon. But then do you reckon woodpeckers get fucked off with beavers? Because woodpeckers peck wood is peck wood. They don't bite through it. They don't gnaw oh, it. Yeah. So I reckon woodpeckers going like, oh, this has taken me years. The beaver goes, nah. And the tree's gone. They're like, oh, fuck, I've been here for... What are you doing, Daniel? I've been here for years. Do you reckon this ever happened where a woodpecker's going at it and the beavers at the bottom just take it down and just falls as a woodpecker's going? You're like, mother, I was, just, I was in the middle of something then. Like, Bastard. Yeah. I've been up here for two years doing this. Um I've only got about an inch through. But then <laughs> wouldn't it be great if like woodpeckers made decor and signage for beavers dams? If the beaver had the woodpecker was like, oh, could you make like our lovely home or like live, laugh, love, please, to go in our dam? <laughs> it's just like, okay, <laughs> like like a chisel, you know, this goes <laughs> I don't know why, but I, the live, laugh, love thing really tickled me. Yeah, beavers are hot on that sort of shit. I love this show so much. I never thought when we press record, we'd start talking about woodpeckers building decor for beavers. Yeah, the beavers holds it and it's just like, like, yeah, puts live, laugh, love into the wood and they can put it up in their dam. Fucking phenomenal. God, I love doing this. Oh. I, I had a, I had a bit of a funny thought today. Well, it was, it was what while I was out trick or treating not long ago with the small one. Do you find it weird that people buy costumes for their kids of characters that they really by right shouldn't have any fucking clue who they are or what they are. But I saw you a kid running. But well, I saw a kid running around in a screen mask. I was thinking that kid should not know what the fuck a screen mask is. I went to Asda with Olivia the other week and there was a hockey mask with a knife. Obviously, Jason. I was like, that's a kid's costume. A child should not know who Jason Voorhees is. Well, put it this way. When <laughs> I was a kid, uh, I lived in Germany at the time um, and my best friend was called Timothy and I call him Turfy because I could never say his name properly. Um, his parents let him watch Nightmare on Elm Street and he was four, five? That. Um, let's just say he used to piss the bed a lot. Um, if you ever listen to this, Timothy, I don't know if you, I cannot remember the life, but you know, I do apologize for bringing this up. Um, but I think a lot of parents don't really give a shit. Possibly. Um, or, or there are parents that explain maybe what it is, but don't actually go, I don't know if it's in the movies or whatever this goes, it just, maybe a kid thinks it looks cool. I don't know. I don't really know. Like, it's also know, why, why are the costume companies making them in the first place? Money. Yeah, I don't know. I just got me thinking earlier. I was like, why? Why does this exist for a small person? They shouldn't know what this is. It's not aimed at them. Very weird. 
I'm not throwing shade at parents who let their kids, you do whatever you want with your children. That's entirely up to you. That's your prerogative, as it were. Um, Come back to Brittany. But, you know, it's just, well, yeah. Um, I would never, I never judge in any way, shape or form. But obviously, I feel there are lines that should be drawn in that sort of thing. It's like, yeah. you know, be a bit more sensible about it rather than, oh, who gives a shit? Yeah, but I get the witches, the Frankensteins and all that stuff. It's they're scary characters, but yeah, when it comes to movies and stuff, it feels a bit weird to me. You've also got to think that like Minecraft's got zombies in it, hasn't it? Yeah. And stuff like that. So I suppose in a way it's like watered down. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I'm probably talking massively out of my ass. And if anyone's offended by anything I've said, I do apologize. Um I'm sure it'd be fun. Um, but yeah, it was. I think they've obviously watered a lot of stuff down now. So a lot of, with especially with technology, like kids can find anything now. Um, yeah, so point, yeah. yeah, so yeah. they put, if they haven't, if the parents haven't been the the course, they've obviously just found it themselves. Um, so yeah, that'd be my that'd be my assumption there, Mister Westwood. I thought you were still. Anyway, anyway, how are you? Um, I'm pretty shit to be honest, mate. I've 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 been better. Let's just say I've been better. I'm still in a lot of pain, but here we are. We just. But are you bringing this upon yourself? Because I know what you're like. So. No, I'm not bringing it upon myself. I'm doing my best to rest and do whatever I'm doing, all my stretches and icing and everything the hostel told me to do and taking my boatload of medication and I'm off work and all this sort of stuff. It's just. Yeah, it doesn't help that I was told the completely wrong fucking information for the first week of my uh, recovery, but there we are. But yeah, I'm getting there. Just, yeah, I'm getting there. Just in a lot of pain. But what can I say? Yay. How about you? How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Um, There's not really a lot. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, it's been a very quiet one, this. So, you know, nothing to really write home about or scream or shout about or anything like that. Um, I saw Billy Connolly's got a new book out, so I haven't even read the fucking first one yet, but I've picked that up as well. Um, I'm one of those people that I, because I love reading, but I always struggle to find time to read because I don't give myself time to read because all I want to do is just watch wrestling all the time. Um, So, you know, or the NFL. That's my my problem though. Um, So I've bought like fucking loads of books and I've not read any of them yet. I've so, got about five or six books waiting to be read. Yeah. But I think I like I love hardback. I can't mm-hmm. do it with paperback. I love hardback books. And obviously, once they're gone, they're gone, and they turn to paperback. So it's like I like to grab them and get them and then have them and then go, well, I'll get to it at some point. Because Iceman Kills have released a silver screen in a hardback. I'm like, oh, my God. I need to get mm-hmm. it before. Yeah, they've done, a, they've done a horror book. And the second comic is out now as well, the second graphic novel. Um, I can't fucking keep up anymore. Um, so you starting to hit that age where it's like normally you'd be like, oh yeah, this album's out, this and this, 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 and this, and now I'm like, wait, what they released now? What's going on? Who's got that? Who's is this? This is great. Well, it came out two years ago. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard to keep it. People release fucking everything, especially nowadays. People like the music industry, there is no fucking money in it, so all bands are going. Let's release as much merchandise and stuff as possible. So then you're like, I want that. That's really cool. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty tough. So yeah, um, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. Um, I haven't been sleeping very well, which is weird. But 
I don't know if I'm coming down with something. I don't know. I don't know. It's just one of those things. I keep having nightmares, which is weird. I had the worst one. Um, which I talked about nightmares last week, and I had I've been having more. And I had one where um Bob Stade was in it, weirdly. Uh he was performing, and then I was being chased by something, so I had to go on a slide. But the sl- you had to go on the slide at a random time, because if you went down at the wrong time, you got stuck in an inflatable box that you couldn't get out of. That's a um, really fucking weird dream. It was weird. And like it just it kept inflating. So obviously it got smaller and smaller. And I was just trying to get back up the slide again, but obviously there's no way out. And it made me feel fucking horrific. Um so oh, I would have been That was it was well weird. Um Ooh. fuck knows what Tom Stade was there. Um, <laughs> it was so weird. Like he was just performing, but I was trying to escape. I had no idea what I was trying to escape either. I have no idea what was chasing me. It was weird as fuck. Um so yeah, there was another one as well with kerosene, but I can't remember. I can't remember that one, um, which made me bolt awake as well. So it's just odd. It's just really odd. I don't know what... I'm not yeah. eating cheese before bed. I'm not eating, you know... It's weird how that's the thing, though. Oh, if you eat cheese before bed, it makes you have nightmares. Does it? Does it really? Do cows have them all the time, then? I... <laughs> Obviously, it's milk and they yeah, I, 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 I know. Yeah, I, I, I've never understood that. Look the, uh, the good old... Uh... Housewives tales of eating cheese before bed gives you nightmares. Oh, you sit too close to TV, you get square eyes. Mm, fucking words are the ones. Eat too many chocolate biscuits, you turn into a chocolate biscuit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I used to believe that. I used to believe the seeds one. If you ate seeds, it would grow in your stomach. Oh, yeah. Um, thanks, Dad. Yeah, of course. Yeah, really yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Cheers, Dad. <laughs> really appreciate it. And watermelon. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for that. Um, <laughs> what have you been up to, my friend? Anyway, what's been going on other than your, other than your fucked body? Uh, mostly just my fucked body, to be honest. Um, now I've been using my time. I've been playing around my 3D printer a bit more while I've been off. Just been learning how to use it a bit more. Been sitting around doing a not fat lot, so I've been learning how to use that. Massive thanks to Max, who's been helping me sort that out. He's the guy I brought the printer up. Uh, we did a fantastic interview last night, which was absolutely unreal. Really enjoyed that one for you all to check out. Uh, before we went on here, we took the kid trick-or-treating, so we've got a bucket full of sweets ready to steal off her when she's in bed. And, yeah, I went back to Ain, as I mentioned earlier, about the bad advice I got for the first week of my recovery. I went back to Ain the other day because I just was in so much pain still. And I now have an official diagnosis. I have acute trapezius muscle damage, which apparently I'm three weeks in. If it gets to six weeks, it's chronic trapezius muscle damage so hopefully that will get sorted within the next few weeks because i don't want it to be chronic that sounds bad just if you don't mind talking about it so where did you go originally for said incorrect news hey just the guy that saw me just didn't he didn't look at me properly at all like when i spoke to the nurse or doctor this time she was just like yeah no no completely wrong let's wipe all of that let's it's really bad you can report that, surely. I don't know, because I don't know how severe it was. It wasn't a severe, severe thing, so probably won't get anything from it. But the medication... I'm, did... I'm not talking about anything from it. I'm talking about no, no, no. misdiagnosed yeah. people in the future. But, yeah, it was... the co- They gave me codeine for painkillers, and I just... Becky was looking through the, um, the side effects, and she was like, ah, you've got that one, that one, that one, that one. Apart from internal bleeding, you seem to have them all, so that's good. So me and codeine don't get along. <laughs> And yeah, just the uh, the painkillers I was on about last week, the muscle relaxers. And yeah, they didn't agree with me. So they're all. And then the, the doctor who I spoke to this time was like, 
I have no idea why he's giving you those. They, you don't need them. I was like, ah, dark sense of humor. This uh, previous de- doctor I saw clearly wanted me to shove things up. He wrecked them for no fucking reason. He probably just really hates you working in the hospital. Probably. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's probably like, I was about to go for my break, but now I've got to deal with you. So do you know what, mate? I'm giving you stuff to stick up your ass. Fuck you. <laughs> I know it's a really fuck with you. <laughs> but no. It's fine. I'll be all right. I've just signed me off work for another two weeks because of the some medication I'm on. And I constantly need to like do these weird stretches that hurt like fuck. And I've got to ice my neck and my shoulder and my arm. And I can't let really do that while I'm at work. So they signed me off to do that. So yeah. lots of resting time at home. But that is literally all I've done because <laughs> fat lot I can do. What about you, my friend? What have you been up to? You're not going to see your kids? Uh, no, I'm going in a couple of days. I've kind of tried to leave it as long as possible because of travelling and stuff like that. Okay. Does travelling affect the shoulder? Sitting on the train and stuff like that and the jolting of the train. Like, but going in the car is the most painful experience because like, every time I turn the corner or like go for a speed bump, like just doing that and really fucking hurt, just demonstrating... Like going in the car hurts like shit. So train tracks is gonna hurt like balls. So I'd kind of want as much of this medication through me to try and make life a bit easier as possible. Okay, interesting. There we plus, are. Plus, I wasn't supposed to be off till the end of the week to see them anyway. So with my days off to what should have been my days off if I wasn't work. So Yeah, no fair, dude. Fair. Um I'll be really honest, I've done fuck all. <laughs> um I watched the Rugby World Cup final. Um, it was all right. It was oh, all right. Like, I didn't realize the final had happened. The final was on Saturday, uh, just gone. Um, it was okay. Um, uh, watching the NFL, like nothing's really been going off to be honest with you. It's just been a lot of relaxing. I introduced the movie This Is England to, to Keris. Oh. Um, what a film! She found it really heavy. Um, yeah. and it she related a little bit as well. And I was a bit like, oh, so. I wanted to watch the series because the series is even better. Yeah. Um, but she's like, I don't know if I can stomach it right now. Can we like wait? And I was like, Yeah, sure, absolutely. But fuck me, like Shane Meadows, what a legend! Have you seen yeah. Dead Man's Shoes? I've heard of it, but never seen it. With Paddy Considine. Oh, it's another Shane Meadows movie, dude. You are missing out. You need to watch it. A hundred percent need to watch it. So just trust me. All right, you need to. Again, it's quite harrowing and like fuck, but it's so good. It's only an hour and twenty five minutes. Like it's oh, not very long. I've got two weeks off work. I'm sure yeah, I'm dude, to like, trust me, it's <laughs> fucking superb, as you'd say. Um, so yeah, so we've been we did that. Um, and not a whole ass of a lot's really going on, boys, to be quite honest. Um, I'm session Braden tonight, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Like you said, we interviewed last night um with the lovely lads from Fangs Out, which will be out next week. Um, that was great. Uh, congratulations on your 2000 trees announcement today as we record this on Halloween. Um, the thing with Halloween, though, Jay, is don't you think it's a bit like trick or treat is a bit outdated now with the way that like the what, people don't really want people knocking on doors anymore, that sort of thing, don't they? Because I, I found a lot of people always like, I've got loads of sweets in, but no one's knocking. I spoke to Matt earlier and he was like, I bought loads of sweets, but no one's knocking on my door. It's not that many kids. I've always had the rule with Olivia. Unless people have got pumpkins or decorations on the house, don't go there. Because people, obviously, they're not into it. They don't want, you know, people, obviously, 
not everyone wants strangers knocking at the door. Sometimes it's old people. Sometimes it's people with mental health issues who really don't want people knocking on the door. Could be any reason. So unless it's clearly we're in for Halloween, come get some fucking sweets. We don't go to people's houses. There was more this year than there was last year. There's more houses lit up and decorated this year than there was last. Like last year we struggled. Like we'd go like down a whole road and nothing. But this year there was quite probably. a few. Possibly. But this year there was quite a few more out. The thing is, though, if it was postcode lottery, you'd be livid, wouldn't you? If, if that was, if people knock at the door <laughs> and it's postcode lottery, you don't answer it, and it's fucking two hundred grand of that envelope, you'd be, oh, you'd be oh. raging. Or if it was the nineties and they were so. trying to sell you Daz, remember that Daz doorstep challenge? I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> was that Jeremy Beadle that did that? Who did that advert? I don't think it was Jeremy Beadle, but he did look like him. I can't remember his name. I can't remember. I'll put a clip in so people can remember, but I can't think of his name. Would you show your whites to the rest of Britain that there's doorstep challenges here to ask just that? Nice. Yeah, this one came up, but yeah, sort of like, (laughs) you know, someone's knocking at the door, better be fucking Halloweeners, like, you know, trick-or-treaters, like, fuck that shit. (laughs) Somebody's ringing the bell. Fuck off! (laughs) 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 Maybe we should... uh, Maybe we should swiftly move on to uh, to your favourite segment. But before we do, yes, we should hear from Braden at Stay Cozy Clothing. Oh, yes, we definitely should. All right. Is this thing on? Well, howdy doody, everybody. This is Braden Berry from Say We Can Fly, founder of Stay Cozy Clothing. Your one-stop shop for the coziest, most fashionable hoodies, t-shirts, and more. Gorge, Mickey. That's right, folks. And we're proud to say that we are now sponsoring the Chronicles of Podcast. Ouch. Hosted by Tom and Jamie. <laughs> like, you can get 10% off, man. That's right, Shaggy. Just use the special code, the Chronicles at checkout. Oh, boy. I've said it once, and I've said it thrice, and I've said it splice. Best advert ever. Absolutely. Simple best as that. Ever. Simple as that. But Jamie. Yes, sir. So time for your favorite segment of the week. Oh, yeah, it is. Stop counting stages. Do you want to know something? Callum will be able to tell you. And Callum's treachings. It's cereal soup. Ooh. I've got fucking post a lot of stuff in my head now. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm just like talking. And I'm in my head. I'm going, someone's knocking at the door. Like, fuck off. Callum's here to treat you. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Callum's Treachings. He is here to treat the world, the nation, the universe. I got it the wrong way around, but I don't give a shit. Anyway, so, Jamie, let's begin. What is Callum treaching us this week? Most gyms survive on memberships of people who never even come to the gym. (laughs) (laughs) You'll see us charged. Now, before we actually get into that, I kind of feel that's a little bit of a plug, don't you, Jamie Westwood? I was going to say, we were going to plug this uh, afterwards, but he sort of opened it up for us there, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, for those that are unaware, Callum has just started a podcast called That Gym Couple with his other half, Lucy. Um, and that was gym-related, so I feel like he's like just trying to sneak that into the treat <laughs> just to go, oh, we'll get, we'll get him talking about it early. We will plug it afterwards. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm not one of those people. Uh, but that is so true. And that's why I would never go to a gym in January. Because it's oh. full of, you know, yeah. Now, new year, new me. Fuck off. 
stop stop that. Why do people need months or days to like then start changing their life? It's like, oh, Movember, let's start raising money for growing mustaches. Well, I do it 365 days a year, as do you. So can we just not just give money anyway? Do it. It's, I don't know if it's like a marketing ploy. Obviously, the charities are really fucking important and it's a, a massive important thing, but that charity doesn't just exist for November. No, you know, I, the L- yeah. like Pride Month isn't just June. Do you know what I mean? Surely you should support the LGBTQ community every day. You don't need it's great they've got a month to celebrate it, but you should be celebrating it all the time. Yeah, it's yeah, I, I don't get it either. But no, I absolutely don't get it. But especially that January, absolutely right. I've joined a gym in January before and it is chaos. But I got. I started a gym membership and then about two weeks, three weeks into it, I was like, I cannot find time to go. So I just cancelled it. I wasn't going to keep it going under the, like, trying to convince myself, no, you'll go eventually. You will go eventually. No, I know myself. I'm not going to go. But I can guarantee. In fact, I know people that have gym memberships and never fucking use it. Just so they can say they've got a gym membership, but, you know. Oh, yeah, I like working on my lats and... uh my glutes and my my deltoids. Where are they? Uh, uh, the treadmill. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> today's leg day. While I walk in the complete fucking opposite direction to the gym. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely nuts. That is interesting though. Like thinking that because I obviously. Thinking of if you looked at a gym's books, like the amount of people that have got books on their system, how many people have memberships and don't use them? I'm intrigued on like the percentage. It's got to be a good, good, fair chunk. Um, I'm intrigued now. You reckon it's over half? It can't be over half, surely. I mean, not over, but it's got to be close. I reckon it's got to be close. Anyway. Let's let's maneuver. Let's swiftly move on to the next one. JB, what is Callum treating us this week? Contrary to video games, people don't jump around in fights at all. <laughs> I suppose like you're tackling your street fighters, you always jump to avoid. Yeah, because you're most people don't in real life. Then again, nobody hadoukens in real life, do they? Oh, oh they should. That'd be or amazing. has insanely long limbs, or has a sword, or any of that stuff. So, um, imagine that you're in a pub and a fight breaks out, and someone's just suddenly hadouken across the room. It'd be amazing. I'd actually be interested in fights if that happened. No, I wouldn't be. I'd be like, "How the fuck did you do that?" <laughs> like, yeah. So I just, are you it's... talking to my bird? Yeah, get over here. Oh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see if, like, because obviously Mortal Kombat now has got the slow. So when you <laughs> when you do like a really powerful move, it's got that slow thing which shows you the bones breaking uh, <laughs> um, and that sort of thing. So it'd be cool if like life became like that, and you'd be like, you know, as you say, you look at my girl, get over here, punch him, and the next goes like, yeah. <laughs> I love that idea of people being like, "You fucking what, mate? You fucking what?" <laughs> Just like jumping up and down, like, <laughs> cool, then. It's like jumping up and down to avoid being actually avoid being. Hit because it's so fucked. <laughs> I'm driven to that thing in like tech in a street fight where you basically just sit on the floor and just kick to stop people getting anywhere near. Instead of fighting, you just lie on the floor and kick your legs in the air. Crouch and punch. 
That'd be so funny. I've I've really, really enjoyed, I don't know why, really enjoyed videos of um like twats picking on people, not realizing they're like ex UFC fighters or Xboxes or whatever. Oh, and they're like, yeah, they are amazing. And they're just like they're being totally cool and calm and clean. They're like, fucking God. And it's just like, bang. Right, I'll see you later. <laughs> Yawn. Anyway, next. <laughs> I'd love to have that ability. Not to, oh, obviously, no, no. I don't want to hurt. But I mean, it's like, if that ever happened in the future, like I was walking um, to the shop earlier, and obviously with it being Halloween, this girl had like a panda head on, a massive panda head with blood all over it. And she died, which was just like waving at me. And I just walked right on by. She kept waving to my face, and I just kept walking on by. Like, I'm not interested. Thank you very much. Newport. The um, reason you're extinct. Fuck off. Shithole, shithole. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I love I just love the idea. Uh, even in like boxing matches or wrestling matches or whatever, or actual <laughs> UFC fights, and they're like, I said, yeah. That'd be so funny. Or like jumping into each other. <laughs> you know how like people walk in games that like, they run into walls? <laughs> if they're just doing that. <laughs> Even better if they went as far as Mario's, like you beat knock someone over and just start jumping on the head. Bing, bing, bing. It'd be great if they're not. <laughs> That'd be great, wouldn't it? If that was a noise. Hold on a sec, just gonna eat a mushroom. <laughs> If, if life had real life sound effects, that'd be fucking amazing. Oh, that'd be amazing. It'd be great. Anyway, and anyway. finally, Jamie, what else is Callum treating us this week? Your collection will likely be a burden for the person who has to deal with all your stuff after your death. Yeah. 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 I mean, I I mean, you're gonna be horrific to uh clear out after for like with the amount of shit that, that you have. Bad. I'm not as bad as I used to be. I got rid of a lot of shit, to be honest. Most of it. Is there stuff in your attic? There's a kiss stuff in your attic. There is a lot of kiss stuff. Yeah, but I'm not worried about that now because I know I know Lena will just go mine. So I'm not worried about that. <laughs> you should totally sell some stuff, especially if it's still packaged and that sort of thing. Yeah, there isn't. I, I had a look. To be fair, not that long ago, if anything was worth anything, trying because it's just in storage and they don't really much worth much in up there. So it's more sentimental. Yeah. I mean, I got rid of everything. Like yeah. I said, the only thing I've got now is books. That's it. So, like all my vinyl, I'm, I've sold at least half of it now. Um, loads of that's going because I just never fucking listen to it. It's that thing is you, you get like obsessed with one thing, don't you, for a while, and you're like, oh my god, I must have everything ever. And then after a while, you go, I don't even use this. Like, why is this even here? So, yeah, yeah. I get it. So. I- I keep getting asked now. It's around that time a year now. But like, what do you want for Christmas? I'm like, nothing. It's literally nothing I want. And the things I do want are expensive, and I don't expect anyone to buy them for me. So, no idea. No because no I've had that problem. You don't collect things or do you know? Like I said, no one really buys DVDs anymore. It's just like no, no. Mind you, with the with the rate that of these fucking streaming sites that are coming out and the rate that the prices are going up, I'd be I'd be amazed actually if people start blowing the, the dust off for the old DVD player. Wouldn't surprise me to be fair. Like it's absolutely crazy, <laughs> so crazy. But still, um, Callum, thank you once again for some absolutely superb treatings. The only thing is, is I have to follow it. You do, but before we you do follow it, 
we did hint then a moment ago about Callum and his podcast. Probably should give it a proper little proper little plug. But so Callum and his partner Lucy they start a new podcast. That gym couple, I think you can guess what it's about, really, can't you? It's all about going to the gym, fitness, reaching your goals. But find them on Instagram at that gym couple podcast. Subscribe on YouTube wherever you get your podcasts from. There's a little teaser out now. And obviously the first episode will be coming soon. So you see Callum every single bloody week on this show. So go listen to him every single week on his own show. Congratulations, guys. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely. But I do have to follow this. Jamie, Sam Tom's Journal. And welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Lovely. So, welcome to another edition of Tom's Journal. Jamie, I tried to save some money uh, by getting Halloween candy at Aldi, so I really hope the kids like Twix, Scattles, and Four Musketeers. (laughs) Hold on, Four Musketeers? There's three, isn't there, you fucking idiot? Oh, sorry. Yep, that threw me off for a minute. Yep, yep, got you now. Sorry, that really threw me off. I was trying to relate it to chocolate. got confused. Ignore me. There we are. Broken brain as well as Nick. <laughs> um, I've lived next to this guy, right, for the last three years. I thought his name was Steve. I call him Steve. His name is Steve in my phone. I've been to his apartment and we've had dinner. His name's fucking Brian. His dog's called Steve. <laughs> Oh, fucking amazing. As much as I hate people, some people are fucking great. Oh, that's amazing. A fair play to Brian for playing along. Fair play. 100%. I've done it as well. Um, I've been, I, when I used to work in William Hill years ago and years ago, I was calling somebody Karen and she didn't correct me for a year and a half. And she went, Tom, um, my name's not Karen. My name's Carol. Like, Oh, and you waited a year and a half to correct me. <laughs> that's an easy. That's an easy mix-up, though. To be fair, that, that's, that could just be misheard. But Brian and Steve, that that's fucking impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's, that is really great. Um, I'm going to send you this photo for this bit. But okay. Dexter's Laboratory, great show. How the fuck did his parents not know about his secret lab? That electricity bill must have been higher than Wiz Khalifa. Right, nuts. <laughs> I think I've just killed Jamie for anyone that's wondering whether there's so much dead air right now. Oh, it's so much pain, but I said to him laughing. It was the high of the Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> I have a feeling that this is going to continue your pain right now. Oh, God. A scientist cradles a scotch egg in his hands. A tiny fist breaks through the crumbs. A Scotsman hatches. Jurassic Park theme swells on bagpipes. <laughs> Please, someone make that. Like, 
<laughs> I need to see that as a thing. Don't know how, but I need to see it. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I just want to hear the Jurassic Park being fun of bagpipes. That'd be, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I know I'm looking for as soon as they get up So, Jamie, did you know, right, that if you put a wooden spoon on your pot whilst it's boiling, the pot spoon water will spill water pot, the boiling pot water steam spoon wood? <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah, my brain! That was... <laughs> that was too much. The whole point is it, it made no fucking sense. I know. That yeah. was... Okay, good. <laughs> It was just me trying to play catch up and actually like carry on with what you were saying. Like, I, I, I'm lost, fuck, confused, pop, kettle, wood, ass, boom. <laughs> Look, so not to be a Halloween Scrooge, but I don't like that everyone uses stencils to carve their pumpkins now. Jack o' lanterns are supposed to be extremely unimpressive. You should have a vision in your head and then not be able to execute it at all. That's what Halloween's all about. Yeah, fair. Fair. Yeah. It's fair. Yeah, it's been a long time. So people do use a lot of stencils now, don't they? Even I used a stencil this year. Next year, I'm just going to make my own up. Go back to your tradition. I don't even fucking bother. No, no so, you don't. Um, my family... Uh, I've just learned that Grandpa's got an addiction to Viagra. No one's fucking taking it harder than Grandma. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> ding, 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 ding! This week's stupid entry. <laughs> Boss, uh, what are you doing? Me? Oh, I'm watching a video on how to effectively deal with co-workers. Boss, but that's kickboxing. Me? Exactly. <laughs> she said it was a video of Tekken. It's a lot of jumping. <laughs> Just like jumping back and forth. Why have you put a tiger mask on? First day as a vampire hunter. Oh, this shit's easy. First night as a vampire hunter. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> That might have been even fucking stupider than Grandpa and the Viagra. That's, fucking... That's one of my favourite ones. That's I love fucking it. brilliant. Oh. <laughs> and finally, and this was actually put up by former guest Alan Hudson. This made me laugh so much. But it's so true because I find that certain phrases are really starting to annoy me too. So, phrases that need to retire forever. One, I did a thing. Fucking hate that shit. Two, adulting. Get in the bin. Yeah. Yeah. Three, I'm not crying, you're crying. Four, I'm just going to leave this here. Yeah. Five, this. Six, so that happened. Seven, my person. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Eight, fur baby. Uh, Yeah. Nine, all of the feels. 
Yeah. And 10, the struggle is real. To which he added his own, number 11, no pressure then. Oh. <laughs> and that was another edition <laughs> of Tom's Journey. God, we're old. But yeah, they all need to just retire. Then. Bye-bye. I hate... I What annoy me even more is like, I did an art... I did a, I did a bake. Can we just be like normal humans now, please? Can we just be cake. like, uh, yeah. yeah, that does my fucking head in. Anyway, sorry. That's this very, very cynical 36-year-old sat right here. Like, oh, back in my day, we didn't do a thing. It's about getting into schools and talking to young people because, you know, I, I know that people can change. Uh, and, it, and it's about talking to people and getting them to understand and perhaps step back from violence and, and prejudice and whatever. And we just need to work together and keep on the good fight there. Absolutely. Hey there, guys. We are ecstatically happy to announce that we are associated with the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. The times are changing and with the unfortunate death of Sophie, those changes have made a massive impact for the future. If Sophie was with us still today, I can guarantee what you are doing will still be reaching so many lives of young teenagers, young adults, and those who wish to be as different as possible. So thank you very much. To find out more about this incredible foundation and all the work they do, and more importantly, how you can help, head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Mama, 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 Mr. Stevens. It's audience participation time. Participate, bitch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to participate in Jamie's participation challenge. I really, need, I really want someone to put a compilation of these together. <laughs> anyway, this week I said icebreaker questions they're always the same so let's turn one of them on its head this week we ask instead of your favorite song what's a song you absolutely can't stand and you just have to turn it off as soon as you hear it and i don't want to insult people's bands or people's music tastes here because everyone's entitled to their opinions but everyone's got that song that they just everyone's got one i mean the from my perspective, there's one I can't listen to because it was my parents' first dance song, like at all, uh, which is Jennifer Rush, The Power of Love. Um, I can't listen to that at all in any way, shape or form um, okay. ever. So if shops play it, if whatever, I have to walk out. I can't do it. That's from from a from an emotional and a personal standpoint. From a me standpoint, just in general, anything by Coldplay. Had that quite a few times in this, and I know that Matt, who makes our music, is one of my best friends. Uh, used to work for the drummer. 
Yes, he did. Yes. So yeah, but still, it's yeah. I just don't like them, and it's not because I think it's cool to not like them. I just genuinely don't like them. Which See, is funny, I I loved them. their first album. I really enjoyed their first album when it first came out, and then after that, oh, it just needed to go away. Yeah, not for me anymore. I can, I can, I get why people like it though. I get why people like it. It's just not for mm. me. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Which is why I was saying yeah, I don't want this to be a slagging people's bands off because everyone likes what they like. But but it's it's, it's like those people that slag Nickelback off and then then think you're weird for liking them. You're like, no, I genuinely love Nickelback and yeah. that's fine. I'm allowed to do that. So on your way. On your way. They're a fucking great band. Let's get some audience answers. Former guest Hannah Hawkey from Rockfish says, "Moves like Jagger by Maroon Five. Pure hatred for that song." Today, yeah, it's quite annoying after a while. That's one of those ones. I, I have a certain category of songs that I've heard so many times I could quite happily never hear again. That is easily in that category. And there's songs I like in that category. That's one of them. Jerry Keane says, Top Loaders dancing in the moonlight. What's wrong with dancing in the moonlight, Jerry? Come on. It's, it's a tune. Dancing in the moonlight. Anyway. But again, people are, are allowed to not like what they don't like. You know what exactly. I mean? It'd be, it'd be boring as fuck if everyone liked the same shit, wouldn't it? Exactly. Alan Carr, Sex on Fire by Kings of Leon. It came out the month I went to uni and people would constantly put it on the jukebox in the bar. Yeah. I can, I can, I can imagine there's another one that's going to be in there as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple. Which one is next? And Josh Clark... Uh, this comes up twice, but the first time this is mentioned, Josh Clark, Mr. Brightside by the, by the Killers. Yeah. I sing, I feel like it's some sort of inside joke that I'm not part of to enjoy this song. <laughs> I agree. I don't get it. Do not get what, what I, people love. What I love, right? What I loved is when they did Song of the Decade, that was second. It was not top. Really? What was top? Chasing Cars. Really? Which is a fuck. In tune. That's I love song, that yeah. song. Yeah, that was number one. The, the, the most listened to download song of the 2000s, 2010s was Chasing Cars. Yeah, but I, I just don't get why mm. everyone loves Mr. Brightside too much. I'm not even putting it down. Yeah, it's not a bad song. I just don't get why it's so loved. It's so overplayed. It's just so, because it's catchy, isn't it? And it's so overplayed. When it first came out, when MTV2 first aired it, I went, fuck me, I hate indie music. And I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> But then, obviously, everybody else went, oh, my God. And it became like a club anthem. And now it's like, oh, God, I can't listen to this anymore. Yeah. Again, like you're saying, it's one of those songs that's just so fucking overplayed. Lara Organ, which is my son Harrison's other half, says, I'm a bee by the Black Eyed Peas because your son plays it over and over and over again. Or anything by Michael Jackson, because your son plays it over and over and over again just to get on my nerves. So proud of my boy right now. <laughs> it's such a fucking wind-up merchant. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Barrow says, Black Eyed Peas, Meet Me Halfway. It was a new song in 2009 when I met my daughter's dad. Listen to it when we were together, and now it literally makes me feel sick every time I hear it. Yeah, I imagine there's quite a lot of those ones out in the world as well. Michael Golden, with an answer I feel we're going to hear a lot in the next couple of months. All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. Oh, God, yeah, that's in there. Oh. Any Christmas music any Christmas music is in there as well. She's defrosting as we speak. 
Matt tomorrow, Rose. isn't it? He's dead tomorrow, yeah. Matt Rose smells like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. I hate it with a passion. Overplayed so many multiple times a night when I was younger, and now I hate it so much. It is genuinely awful to my ears. Not a song I expected to hear, but fair. <laughs> Ad- <laughs> Speaking of Nirvana, Adam Lancaster, our friend from the Sophie oh. Lancaster. I don't really care enough to hate any song, but this is pretty shit, isn't it? And tagged Puddle of Mud's cover of About a Girl. <laughs> that is painful, to be fair. That is so painful. <laughs> Dina Payne, she's joining you, Mr. Stevens. Pick any Coldplay song. Any Coldplay song will do. Just... <laughs> DJ Gove, another one which quite surprised me. Tainted Love. Worst song ever. Not wrong. Oh, a particular version or just any version? No, it's any version. Any version, fair. Oh god, I so many great answers. This one, Rosie, (laughs) Rosie Rollins, Rick Astley's never gonna give you up. My son takes every opportunity to rickroll me, knowing how much I hate that song. I hate it more than I hate All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey, and that drives me mad. I don't know where rickrolling came from, but it's quite great, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's one of those things that I actually love that this stupid came out this day and age. Graham Arnold, this one I found interesting. I genuinely hate hearing or feeling compelled to sing the happy birthday song. I suppose because it's almost like you have to, don't you? You can't not. So I suppose in a way it makes sense because especially if you're at somebody's like birthday and you don't really know them that well because you were someone's plus one maybe or whatever and you're like, "Uh, I don't really know you. It feels quite awkward, doesn't it? I understand. Eric Hunt, Monday, Monday by the Mamas and Papas is like fingernails on a chalkboard to me. I get that. No, I don't. Monday, Monday. That's the sure I know. I couldn't tell you anymore from it. I just know that bit. Oh, well, yeah, because that nailed it. That nailed yeah, it. I know, right? Yeah. I have... More spot on. <laughs> we mentioned it earlier and someone else brought it up. I'm going to have to mention it again. Kay Gill, Mr. Brightside by the Killers. I worked in pubs for a good few years and this song was completely overplayed and totally murdered by crowds of intoxicated people who thought they could hold a note while screaming at the top of their lungs. I wasn't a huge fan of the song before, but when I hear it now, it just goes right through me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair, fair. Kirsty Darby, that stupid dance monkey song. I'd rather burn my ears off than listen to that song. That's the hatred for him to burn your ears. <laughs> Nicola Westerberg. This one's a bit. Anything by Lost Profits. Yeah. Yeah. Totally it pains me to say it, but I get it. Completely get it. Especially after our conversation with Sean Smith. It pains me more to say yeah. it, but I get it. Completely get it. I'm going to give you a couple more. Sorry, three more. Chris Pullen. Delight, Groove is in the heart. It makes my teeth itch and sets off a serious bout of Tourette's, which never manifests itself at any other time in my life. <laughs> I really want to play this song around him. I just want to hear how he reacts. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Last two. The, it was a toss-up over which one to put last here, but I went with this as my second to last. Donna Stevens, because this just shows how much a boy can be like his father. Any song that I have to listen to with Tom's dad, because he changes the lyrics to them all and ruins <laughs> them all. <laughs> to which your dad goes, not wrong with that. Nope. <laughs> not wrong with that at all. I read that and I was just like, ah, now we know where he gets it from. <laughs> Last but not least, it's Mally Malpass. Of course it is. November Rain by Guns N' Roses. I have to cancel all my plans for two weeks to listen to it because it's just so unnecessarily long. Last time I put it on, I missed my daughter's 10th birthday party. She was two when I pressed play. <laughs> but that did stand up, Molly. Um, Absolutely. The thing is, though, right, that song has my favourite guitar solo ever in it. So... Really? I listened to it just for the guitar solo. Yeah. Just a bit where he's got to say that's how that tiny little tiny church with his hair blowing in the wind. So that solo <laughs> is just, every time I hear it, it just makes me go like, fuck, this is so good. I don't it know why. Great. It just does. It it's just, the song's all right, but that solo is just, oh, I could listen to it over and over again. That's just a solo though. <laughs> but the build up's great. Yeah. But put that in your stand up because that was fucking brilliant. Uh, <laughs> And I'm looking forward to seeing that in a couple of weeks. Um, so, yeah. Sorry, Joe. That, that, that was it for this week. I've, I've really enjoyed this week's answers. Very much so. Yeah. Thank you to everybody once again for the 108th time uh, for participating in Jamie's Challenge. We really appreciate it. And if you enjoy Jamie's participation challenge, Tom's Journal, Callum's Treachings, the interview, and the absolute fucking who gives a fucking wank shit that we talk uh, at the beginning... Um, then you'll enjoy the other 107 editions of the Chronicles of Podcast. That's wherever you get your podcast from, whether that be Spotify, Google, Apple, etc., etc. Uh, come and find us on YouTube. That's where most of our wheelings and dealings happen. Uh, at the Chronicles of Podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button. That's the most important thing you could ever do. Subscribing is the biggest, most important thing that you need to do out of all this spiel I'm about to give you. Hit the bell to get notified when new videos are released and comment to your heart's content. On our YouTube, you can find all of our shows, all of our interviews, all of our hashtag WBW Wayback Wednesdays, which are all our interviews from previous channels. Excuse me. All of our 2003 2003 interviews, all of our 2002 and, no, hang on, 2023 2003 interviews. It's because I say 2003s, so it throws me every time. <laughs> and our 2022 and 2023 Bloodstock interviews. Uh, our Bloodstock vlog from 2022 and now 2023 are available on there for you to watch and enjoy. Please go and check them out. Please share the, the new one as well. That would be graciously appreciated. Um, and our Dublin Crust vlog is on there as well for you all to enjoy. Please come and get as much of the Chronicles of Podcast in your face as you physically possibly can. It would mean everything. So thank you very much. Um, you can also find us on Facebook at the Chronicles of Podcast. So make sure you like and share. Um, comment to your heart's content. Send gifts, whatever you want to do with that. Um, but getting stuck with the numbers, I've now forgotten, Jamie. Um, where else could you find us? You can find us going and subscribing to Tom Mayhew on, on YouTube as well. So you can check out all these incredible stand-up comedy and his podcast, especially if you really like playing pool. Snooker. Snooker, um, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, definitely playing snooker. It's not a pool podcast, it's a snooker podcast. Um, you could do that or find us on our X slash Twitter. 
um, at TCO Pod, whatever they fucking call it these days. And whilst you're uh, subscribers, Tom Mayhew on YouTube to check out his stand up and his snooker podcast, uh, and on our Twitter slash X, where else can you find us? You can find us subscribing to Callum's new podcast as well, because why not go support everyone else? We've got so many friends. Go support them all, people. Absolutely. And on our Instagram, at TCO Pod. Come find us on TikTok, at TCO Pod, on LinkedIn, at The Chronicles of Podcast. Make sure you connect with us on there. And uh, come on down to our beautifully sexy and brand spankly wonderful gorgeous little website at www.thechroniclesofpodcast.com. That'll be absolutely amazing. You can find out all about us on there. All of our shows and episodes are on there. All of our affiliations and sponsors are on there. And our dainty little shop. It'd be wonderful if you get some of your own TCO pod merch. It'd be graciously appreciated. So I'll run it down for you now. That is at The Chronicles of Podcast on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. And at TCO pod on all social media. It would mean everything. Um, and now I'm going to pass you over to my co-host, if that's okay with you. Before we get out of here, let's say a massive thank you to a few of our friends. Every single piece of music you hear on this show is brought to you by one man. And that one man's name is Mr. Singer-Songwriter Matt Roberts. Go check him out on all social medias, at Matt Roberts Music. Make sure you're following him on all the socials. Make sure you're following him on Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your music from. Go check out all of his wonderful music, whether it be our wonderful theme song, Once in a Lifetime, or his latest single, Rat Race. Go check them all out. They are all fantastic. He's got an incredible back catalogue. We cannot recommend them to you enough. And of course, you have to say a massive thank you to Mr. Braden Barry and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Head on over to www.staycozyclothing.com or download the smartphone app. Take a look on there. See what if you like the look of. It could be that T-shirt that Mr. Stevens is wearing right there. It could be that hat that adorns his beautiful head. It could be anything. It could even be a vinyl copy of the Say We Can Fly record Beneath the Roses, one of our albums of the year. Absolutely phenomenal. Go add whatever you like the look of to your basket and then add in that little discount code, The Chronicles, and get yourself 10% off your order. And of course, don't just follow Braden and his Stay Cozy Clothing. Go check out all of his music at Say We Can Fly, as I just said, and go make sure you're following Farlight Movie on all social medias. Farlight is looking phenomenal from what we've seen so far. I cannot wait to see what this looks like. So make sure you're keeping up. With all the updates and all the events that's going on with Farlight and how you can be involved in the project as well. And last but not least, we have to say a massive thank you to the Sophie Lancaster Foundation. They are stamping out prejudice, hatred and intolerance everywhere. And by everywhere, I mean everywhere. As we have been plugging away our Bloodstock vlog there's one thing we realised. We talked to people from many different parts of the world and all of them said the same thing, that they've been treated differently because of the music they listen to, the way they dress, the way they decided to present themselves, whatever it may be. All of them have suffered that exact same thing. Last week, I gave you a brief rundown of the hate crime survey results after that were published last week. One thing I'm going to repeat and I'm going to put out there, 80% of the participa participants of that survey experienced at least one form of hate crime based simply because... You name it, the music they listen to, the way they dress, the way they choose to express themselves. It is about time this came to an end. The best thing you can do is head on over to www.sophielancasterfoundation.com. Share Sophie's story out there with the world and make sure people know all about it and what they can do to possibly help. A massive thank you to anyone that went and supported the foundation at the Whitby Goth Festival this weekend. 
as always, a fantastic turnout for the guys there. It was beautiful to see the picture on social media of Sophie's bench with the brand new reef that's put there every single year. Like I say, please go check out our vlog. It means the absolute world. And do whatever you can to support this incredible foundation. And last but not least, a massive thank you to my wonderful co-host over here. Thanks, mate. Uh, and I second everything Jamie just said. Uh, Jamie, another another episode in the bank. In the bank, baby. Absolutely excellent. Love doing this every single week. It's a, it's a joy and a pleasure, as always. Uh, but as for this week, we will see you all next week for the Chronicles of Fangs Out. Oh, yeah. Goodbye, everybody.